Welcome to Talking Jets. My name's Ryan, and I'll be your pilot tonight. I am joined alongside my co-pilot, Mr. Matt O'Leary. Matt, how you doing tonight? I am doing as well as one can do right now as a Jet fan. I also, I miss our third partner. I miss Green Bean. Uh, love me some Green Bean, so I hope he feels better. Uh, but excited to chop it up with you because it, it's never a dull day in Jets land, and we have a lot to get into, Ryan. Oh, I love it. I love it. Green Bean, we hope you're feeling better and you're watching us from afar. Maybe we'll see you in the chat. Uh, boys and girls, if you're just hopping in, make sure you hit that like button for us. It does a lot. Helps us with a little algorithm. They'll push this out to more and more Jet fans. Uh, and if you like the show, you know, we, we, we love it. Hit those milk thumbs. All right. Uh, without further ado, we want to thank William Sprague for rejoining the OnlyFans. Thank you so much, William. You are a champ. Let me get my, my graph. I love it. I love it. All right. So we got a lot to get into. I guess let's let's start real quick. Let's recap a little bit of the game from this yep. past Sunday. The Jets lose to the Raiders in heartbreaking fashion, really. <laughs> the Jets were the better team the majority of that game. What did you see during the Raider game? Pain. Um, it was just really a frustrating one from start to finish because at the start of the game, the Jets have the first three drives where they settle for three field goals in a row. And one of them, it feels like they were going to score twice. First time, Zach steps out at the three. Next time, CG Uzama holding penalty. And then you settle for a field goal. And a 9-3 lead really should have been like a 13-3 lead. And I saw this on Twitter, which is almost unfathomable. But it would have been something amazing to see. The Jets' defense has yet to play with a double-digit lead all year, the entire season. Not once have the Jets led by double digits. So to see this defense pin its ears back and go is still something that I would love to see. But, I mean, where to start? Just penalties, mistakes, drops, um. You know, the, the quarterback play is going to be a discussion in the game, but a, I mean, a bad interception, getting out coached by, uh, you know, a guy who was a linebackers coach two weeks ago. He didn't in the game. He didn't know he tried to challenge a play that was unchallengeable. Like you can't get out coached by that guy. And they did. It was just in so many areas, such a frustrating game. Yeah. For me, the penalties were the really big story of that whole game. I thought Zach played. All right, like nothing, nothing crazy, uh, one way or the other. Obviously, you had the grounding call that killed a drive. Um, you know, little things you can kind of nitpick a bit, but overall, the Jets played well enough, I think, to win. Still not getting into the end zone. Still a consistent problem for the New York Jets. Only kicking field goals, and you look how like it feels like we have a negative play every single drive. I had to jot it down for it. So, uh, drive one, intentional grounding kills a drive. Uh, drive two, we have second and eight. Garrett Wilson. Uh, end around, Uzama holds. And then Garrett Wilson drops the ball the next play. Kills the drive. Uh, holding on second and 14. Uh, holding on Uzama. Uh, oh, sorry. We get a holding penalty. This is the touchdown from Brees that gets called back because of Uzama on the third one. Then we do three run plays on drive four. That's the one where Rodgers gets the, you know, here's the play call, shakes his head, and then runs right into the, <laughs> the Brees or whoever it was, Cook, yeah, runs right into the line. And then uh, they punt there. Then drive five, Lazard stops on his route. Zach overthrows it, however you want to talk about that combination. 
And then Huff has the roughing the passer that gives three points more to the Raiders before halftime. And then you come out after the half, and the Jets are moving the ball real nice. We get a third and eight. We convert it to Gibson and Michael Carter chop block. Done. And then drive seven, false start, third and 13. Uh, drive eight, Becton gives up a big sack. That's the one with the fumble, I believe. Uh, and then number uh, drive nine, Garrett Wilson misses the pass to Lazard. Zach misses the next throw to Dalvin Cook in the flat. And then we have a one-yard run after that. Um, and then we get, you know, the the Zach interception uh, at one point in the game. I might be missing one drive in there. But either way, there's too many negative plays happening. Yeah, it's one. there's something on every drive. And it's so many people at fault. It's, you know, play calling. It's uh, the quarterback. It's the, you know, same cast of characters who are making mistakes. Michael Carter, who I'm sure we'll talk a lot about tonight. CJ Uzama, Alan Lazard. Uh, it, it's it's so frustrating because it's kind of the same recipe each and every week. It's the same mistakes over and over and over again. Uh, and they won't change the, the play caller or the quarterback. So it feels like you're just like, all right, we're going to hope that this is finally the week of clicks. I guess, you know, week before Thanksgiving, wh what better time to hopefully get things finally in the right direction than then, I guess. Yeah. I mean, not changing the play caller, not changing the quarterback. Like I, you can I could wrap my head around like some of that stuff. I, I would I feel like you could probably put Dowling in control and sort of or even Rogers in control of play calling and say like, oh, Nathaniel Hackett's just working a little closer with Zach on a one on one basis or, or something stupid like that. But uh, yeah, no, it's just it, this falls squarely on coaching for me. Robert Sala had this team after the bye nine penalties, eight penalties, eight penalties in three consecutive weeks. You can't win games like that. And it doesn't even matter on the yardage necessarily. Just the fact that you're going backwards five yards and giving a first down the other direction if it's on defense. And it's just a consistent problem that we're having after going into the bye week. I think we were one of the least penalized teams. It's a very wonky way that uh, the Jets have kind of lost focus throughout the bye. And we've lost two conference games to the Chargers and the Raiders. That's going to make things very very difficult. Um, now, the Jets did get a little bit of help. Let's see. Did I change the thing? Boom. Bills Ooh. lose in spectacular fashion last night. <laughs> Couldn't have happened to a better team. Uh, they have they get caught with 12 men on the field. Damar Hamlin, 12th guy on the field. Oh, man. <laughs> Re-kick. Damar Hamlin was the 12th guy. I saw far too many memes that were not very nice about it and uh, very I, I was happy to see the Bills lose. And in that fashion, I went over to Dan Mitchell's stream and he was just like, he's like, this team sucks. Everyone's terrible. <laughs> Fire everyone. So it's not just us. When we lose in, in bad fashion, we're, we're all, you know, ripping everything apart. The Bills, they can't figure it out. Josh Allen is simultaneously like one of the best quarterbacks in the league and like one of the most volatile in terms of like turning the ball over. Guy is reckless with the football ever since Dayball left. But I guess my question is, does the Bills loss open the uh, the door for the division? I mean, technically, yes. But at the same time, they also have to get in the freaking end zone. Uh, I was saying, we were saying before we got started here, like the defense could hold the Bills to under 20 points. But it might not matter if they don't put the ball in the end zone. They've scored 13, 6, and 12 points in each of their last three games. So, like, they got to find a way to get into the end zone probably twice to beat Buffalo, even if the defense does its job. And I get it. Like, Josh Allen has struggled against the Jets his last three starts in particular, This you know, since 2022. But 
also like we we can talk about it and be excited about the defense and excited that you know uh, Buffalo's you know shooting themselves in the foot. They're five and five. This opportunities here, but none of that matters if you can't score. Yeah, that's the that's going to be the whole issue. If you're not getting in the end zone, the whole point of this game is to score more points than the other team, and we're just not very good at doing it. And you can't ask your defense to hold the way they've held the the entirety of the season and just not score any points. I'm hoping there's a little bit more of a shakeup. And I would say that the division, while it is technically available, I mean, you got to beat the Bills this week. They're reeling right now. You got to catch Miami sleeping on Black Friday. And then you start looking at, okay, you got the Falcons, you got Houston. And then maybe you start discussing some some possibility of Rodgers coming back here. Uh, it's going to be absolutely wild to see how this all kind of shakes out. Um, now, we did have some movement on the Jets side of things. Garrett Wilson confirms a players-only meeting today, and Michael Carter ends up getting released just a few hours later. How are you feeling about the release of Michael Carter? Do you think it was justified? Do you think it was warranted? Um, are you upset with it? Give me your thoughts. I'm not really upset with it. Um, he really hasn't been effective the last two seasons. I thought he had a promising rookie campaign, but I mean... We we saw Denzel Mims have a promising rookie campaign. We saw Chris Herndon have a promising rookie campaign. And then, you know, unfortunately it doesn't go anywhere from there. Um, he was to me by far the worst of the three running backs, uh, which is saying something because of how down I was and how down a lot of people were on Dalvin cook earlier in the year. But Dalvin was better in this game against the Raiders. I thought he had three pretty good carries and, Whenever Carter was in, whether it's you know the penalty in this game, a drop, the drops were consistent, but unfortunately was a net negative. He's a great personality, is an easy guy to root for, but wasn't getting it done. And you know, I think that there's um, a world where maybe the Jets were like, "Hey, we want to make you inactive," and he's like, "All right, just release me," kind of a thing. Like, because the release kind of seemed to go come out of nowhere. I figured that they would uh, just, you know, uh, elevate uh, or or activate, I guess, uh, Izzy Abenakanda and make Michael Carter inactive. But maybe it was just like, all right, if I'm going to be inactive, then just we might as well just move on here. Yeah, I get this feeling that that's probably correct. I mean, Michael Carter and Elijah Moore were very close friends. And just because they are no longer on the scene doesn't does just because they are no longer on the same team doesn't mean they're not talking. And I could see Michael Carter getting a little edgy based on everything that's going on and he's going to like face the brunt of a you know a chop block when the offensive line hasn't been doing a great job blocking and the quarterback isn't getting held accountable and you know all these different things so i could see there being some sort of disgruntledness but this was an easy move i think he's probably getting a little scapegoated here where you're not going to change the play call you're not changing the quarterback he's clearly probably the the worst of the three running backs or at the very least doesn't have the contract that dalvin cook has that you you, you can't really justify cutting dalvin cook i don't think uh, and bringing up Izzy just makes all the sense in the world is something we wanted to do regardless. And even going back to like training camp, Michael Carter was kind of that guy on the bubble. It was, all right, are we going to, you know, move on from him and keep Bam Knight? Because the talent is there at Bam Knight, but, you know, the locker room stuff there with Michael Carter, that's kind of what kept him on the Jets, in my opinion. Um, do you think the Jets bring in another running back to, to kind of fill that practice squad void? Maybe Bam Knight sitting out there somewhere. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe they do. They had... Uh... Was his name Travis Dye, right? Wasn't he the the USC running back? He was, yes. Yeah. Um. So maybe he's he hangs around. I don't know. I don't necessarily think 
So I think it's going to be those three guys right now with Priest, uh, Dalvin Cook, and and um, you know Izzy Izzy Abenakanda for the for the time being, and you know we'll see from there. But I don't anticipate them elevating a fourth running back or signing a fourth running back to the roster. I think they'll just rock with those three guys. Mm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I hear. Give me one second. I hear a baby crying. I think back is home, but let me just make sure. <laughs> okay. All good. We're going to lock down the fort right now. Matt O'Leary solo show taking over uh, all the good stuff. Yeah, Michael Carter cut was – I I understand it, right, and I'm totally okay with it because, you know, as, as we mentioned, both Ryan and I mentioned it, it, it neither – he wasn't really effective. There wasn't a role for him, all the above, but – I would have, my guess would have been that they would have make him inactive, Michael Carter inactive at that point. But I'm sticking with my theory that he was originally asked or, or not asked, but told that they were going to make him inactive this week. Uh, and then it went into, well, if I'm going to be inactive, then just release me. But, you know, as I was hinting at with Ryan or, or you know, pointed to was that I think I'm very curious to see who is going to be that next personnel change? Is it going to be Jason Brownlee, uh, be that guy who comes in and is activated and getting more reps over Alan Lazard, which I think we could all agree. Alan Lazard hasn't been the guy we thought we were getting from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, not that reliable guy that Aaron Rodgers fell in love with in the red zone, has one touchdown this year, was a red zone touchdown, but very inconsistent with his hands, uh, inconsistent with his route running. So I would guess maybe Brownlee is that guy. Beyond that, CJ Uzama, after his brutal night with penalties, I would hope that Jeremy Rucker ends up being the second tight end that is used. I think that this is long overdue. I would have done that weeks ago, uh, but when the season started, to be completely honest with you, I think it's pretty clear that Tyler Conklin is tight end one with his just ability in the passing game. He's been really solid and underrated. Drops have, are completely gone. Really clutch player uh, for this team, like what we've seen from Tyler Conklin. And then, you know, Jeremy, I thought in a limited role and a limited sample size, obviously, but I think we've seen him look good as a pass catcher, you know, at, at this point. Again, small sample size, not the, the biggest uh you know to total totality of plays or snap counts that we've seen but enough to i've enjoyed it and a players only meeting is uh, maybe that that was just the necessary thing I, at some point we could say it's on the coaching staff and i think uh, you know robert sala did not have a good week nathaniel hackett hasn't been very good but the players taking it into their own hands might not necessarily be a bad thing as we wait for Ryan, I'll read off some of the chats. I can't put up on the screen the chats. Ryan has control uh, from his side, but I will talk to you guys in the chat uh, as it's Matt riding solo while Green Bean is sick and uh, while Ryan is dealing with a crying baby. All right, let's check in. Uh, Dick Chimney's Burner, great name, met him at the tailgate said, why do I get the horrible gut feeling that we will lose a running back now due to injury since we released Michael Carter? Would be a Jets-like occurrence. That would be a very Jets-like occurrence, but I'm not 100% unsure that they couldn't find someone on the scrap heap 
to come in and play a role like Michael Carter had this year. He was pretty much the th- he was the third down back. That was his only role, third down back on the worst third down team in the NFL. So uh, even if there is an injury, it can't be to Brees Hall because that changes everything. But if there's an injury to either Dalvin Cook or Izzina Banacanda, then the Jets, I think, will go out and, and try to add somebody else. Uh, oh, it looks like we got Ryan back. Okay. All right. We've got a bottle going. So in four minutes, I'm going to jump downstairs, grab it, give it to Becca. But we're, we're good. Just a little. Uh, okay. A little upset. All good. Um, Want to hop into a few super chats? Yeah, let's do some super chats, man. All right. Blitzcrew comes in, says Aaron needs to be the assistant offensive coordinator for the rest of the season in charge of play calling. Disappointed we couldn't trade Carter prior to the deadline. Do you think they tried to move Carter at the deadline? Yeah, uh, I would think they probably did. I don't know what. What would you get? I don't know if you'd get anything for Michael Carter. Probably not, which is why they are probably settled on releasing him. But it would have been one of those pick swap scenarios like they got for Hardman. I'd be fine with that. I mean, you just get one of those like uh, four year controllable players. Late round pick. Guy on the cheap. Well, you're moving up, moving up around. I yeah. guess I would take that. Um, oh, yeah. I guess you don't gain an additional four year contract. You're just going up, you know, one moving round. Up say 30 spots so something like that you think aaron could call plays matt i uh, can't be worse than hackett um I, I i would trust him on third downs i like his answer on mcafee also earlier today mm-hmm. where he was talking about the zach interception and mm-hmm. he was basically explaining why the ball should have never went alan lazard's way and he's like well if he, it was either a five step or a seven and since it was this then the ball could either went to the flat or to the other side and i was like well I miss having someone that smart who could have been under center. Like mm-hmm. that seems like such a perfect answer, but like just Zach or really any other quarterback, but specifically Zach, the, the variance mm-hmm. in football IQ I think is, is huge. Yeah, it's bad. If you see that the timer that I put up above my head, it is because I need to go get a bottle in <laughs> four minutes. <laughs> and I forgot I had a three minute ejector seat button that I can perfect. just let myself know. Cause I'm going to, talk and forget and do stuff so if a chicken flies across the screen that's why um (laughs) (laughs) i think i look i i think rogers should call some plays i think it would be fun to you know hey i'm back in the building i feel like i could you know help zach hack it why don't you go up to the booth and help out up there like that would be great i don't know can't be much worse douglas comes in says hamlin being called for 12th man penalty was heartbreaking that's is that is that a knock towards his injury last year like is that a, supposed to be a joke i, I don't know I, I get a little bit of a half huh but like i don't want i don't want to no. overly laugh at this no um yeah i mean i think his story of just even getting back onto the onto the field is is awesome if i didn't realize that he was the 12th guy that's that's unfortunate but it was uh it was a bad special teams mistake and they didn't deserve to win that game anyway because the amount of turnovers they had so you know, Bills fans could be frustrated because they had it. It was right there. They missed, you know, missed the kick, but it just compounds, you know, when you make mistakes, that's what happens. Yeah, I feel like their loss was very similar to like the Jets, where I felt like the Jets were kind of in command for the most of the Raider game. And then things just go sideways at the end. Granted, we didn't really have we had the one turnover, but um there were also eleven other players on the field. Doesn't necessarily have to be Hamlin being the twelfth guy, but uh 
he was one of the guys that was out there. Uh, Jetpack comes in and says, if Brees didn't take a check down 50 yards for a touchdown, this would now be five straight NFL games without a passing touchdown. God help us go Jets. Well, it's really like five games without a legitimate touchdown either. Like, I, I'm sorry, the Brees Hall touchdown run against the Eagles where they wanted him to score there's a little star there for me. I mean, it counts in the box score, but it would have been, it would have felt similar to like Uzama catching a pass at the end of the charger game almost. Oh, 1000%. 100. You're a hundred percent. Right. The, the touchdowns this year, especially if you go through the passing touchdowns, there are two really good ones. Both came in the chiefs game, right? The CJ Uzama touchdown pass and the strike to Al Lazard. But all the other touchdown passes, you go back to week one, it's Garrett Wilson making a catch of the year candidate. Mm-hmm. It's Garrett Wilson taking a slant 70 yards and Brees Hall taking a check down 50 yards. Those are three of the five touchdown passes. It's absurd. That's not, that's unsustainable. Naturally. <laughs> You're out of here. <laughs> I'm out of here. Let me go get a, a, a bottle. You can uh, hold it down. Yeah, so I want to talk about good point for Ryan to bring that up. But the touchdowns this year, uh, spoiler alert for tomorrow, there's an hour long episode of Just Jets coming out. Uh, I have a lot to talk about, and there were a lot of voicemails, so I'm excited to discuss with you know everybody. But if you look at the Jets' scores of games this year, they have gone over 20 points three times this year, 22 in week one. 20 uh, four times excuse me 22 uh against buffalo 20 against kansas city 31 against denver and 20 against the philadelphia eagles but in week one so the first game there's a special team score so the offense did not hit 20 points in the kansas city game there was a safety so the offense had 18 points so that's that's another game where it's like not really 20 points and then against the eagles they let Brees hall score so your only real 20 point game was denver really right and there was a uh, a defensive score in that game but you had the Brees hall touchdown and five field goals so that's i don't know not a math guy never claimed to be oh no but there was also a safety in that game too but the, the point is, the offense is just so bad, and it's so unsustainable the way that they play offense. It's it, it's like nothing I've seen before. And that's why I was so critical of Robert Sala's comments before the game of where the Jets said that, oh, they're, it's a race to 20 points. They're playing not to lose. It tells me that they are playing to just completely ride that defense and that special teams unit, which isn't fair. It's not fair to either of those units. And the offense is like, hey, kick a bunch of field goals, score one touchdown, and we might have a chance to win. That's not that's not how any other team in the league plays. It's so wild to me. It really is. But yeah, these numbers are gross. 22 points with a special teams touchdown, 10, 10, 20 with a safety. 31 with a defensive touchdown, 20 with a uh, touchdown that was gifted to them, 13, 6, and 12. Halfway through a season, that's nine games. You can understand if you're averaging, you know, what are the Jets technically averaging points per game? Is 16. But even that 16 is swayed 
because you have a special teams touchdown in there. You have a touchdown that the Eagles just let you score. You have a a, a, a special teams defense. Like it's just safe. Two safeties in there. It's really unreal. Truly, just how bad this offense is. Uh, let's take a look at the chat while you guys are in here. Barney Miller chimes in. Matt, I have a salt. I have a salt and pepper beard, and I'm over fifty. Want me to sub in for a green bean? You, you absolutely could. I wish I could add somebody. I can't. Ryan has the uh, Ryan controls from his end uh, all the behind the scenes stuff. So I don't even have. I can't change like what's showing on the screen or uh, add someone in here. So uh, we're just making do for right now, and it looks like Ryan is back. So we will get ourselves right back on track here. But yeah, <laughs> what are you guys talking about in here? Uh, so I was I went in depth on the Jets offense and how really technically there's only one game that they scored 20 points because the Eagles let them score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first game of the year, they scored 22, but there was a special team score for one of the touchdowns. And against yep. the Chiefs, they scored 20 points, but, but there was a safety in that game. So it was really like 18. Ooh, that's so there's only been one game offensively where they kicked five field goals and had one touchdown uh in that broncos game was their 20 point performance against the worst defense in football correct (laughs) like worst worst run defense right like we faced the worst run defense the second worst run defense and the worst pass defense and our offensive production outside of the denver game was really the uh a little lackluster i do say that uh myself i look i don't know i think i have let me see i have Zach Wilson right here. Boom. So how are we feeling Zach played this past week? Like, what are your thoughts on, on his specific performance? Yeah. So, uh, another frustrating week on, uh, jets, Twitter and jets internet, because I had people tell me in my comments that Zach Wilson was quote, balling out before the interception. If that's what the (laughs) definition of balling out is, I like, can we save balling out for something like truly special? I will take played mostly fine, was mm. pretty good, was better than I expected, serviceable. I said solid, and I was like, oops, that was probably the wrong word. <laughs> yeah, solid might solid might even be too far. But mm-hmm. like he was I I think my favorite is mostly fine. But that somehow gets blown up to balling out before the interception there the thing with zach is there was always every single week there's going to be three throws or three plays where you go holy shit there are only so many guys who could do that Mm -hmm. but then the rest of it yeah that's unbelievable that was an awesome play but there were 35 other throws in that game and there were other mistakes the intentional grounding was really bad if you take a sack it would, he was stepping up in the pocket. It would have only been like a two or three yard loss. That doesn't take mm-hmm. you out of that drive. The interception was telegraphed where it was going. I've gotten a lot of pushback on that as well, saying that Al Mazard has to come back to the ball a little bit more. It's because Bart Maybe. Scott said that on the post game. That was the like the drive home. It's like oh, there's, I, there's also Gibson open on the left. There's right. you know Carter, whoever. No, it wasn't Carter. It had to be Brees or Cook on the the right hand side. But yeah, it's like stupid. Yeah, but I was going to say, how about Rodgers today saying uh, the ball should not have been going there in the first place or Dan Orlovsky doing his thing? 
his breakdown on Twitter. And I don't always agree with Dan Orlovsky. And then I had people saying, well, Dan Orlovsky also said Zach was good the last two weeks, so you must agree with that. I'm like, no, no, I, I don't actually. It's He is part of the issue. He is not the only problem. I'm not going to sit here and tell you the only reason the offense stinks is because of Zach Wilson. That's not true. The play calling isn't good. The offensive line isn't always consistent, although against this game against the Raiders, I thought offensive line was pretty good. There's self-inflicted wounds with penalties. There's drops. There's a lot. But you have to, the quarterback has to have some of the blame if they don't score a touchdown in three games. You have to have some blame for that. Oh, yeah, let alone like the red zone issues. I mean, you, there's it's a consistent problem. And how much of the mental lapses that we're blaming on coaching right now, is there you know some aspect of guys' minds that feel they have to go that extra 5%, that extra 10%, in order to overcome some of the shortcomings of the offense in general. You know, maybe it's someone like, okay, I got to beat this edge rusher right now. Oh, there's a false start by mistake. Or, you know, I, there's a lot that goes into it, and it's it's receivers dropping balls. It's The coaching to me since the bye week has been the glaring issue, um, more so than Zach. Like, I give Zach a little bit of a pass for the, the, the Giants game. Miserable conditions. I wouldn't really want him throwing in those kind of conditions anyway. And then going up against the Chargers, we really thought we were going to see something special there. There was a lot of issues offensive line, but I definitely put a lot more blame on Zach for the Charger game than I do some of the other games. Even though like he gave up the critical interception at the end of, of this game, I thought we never had a shot in the Charger game from basically the, the, the first whistle. Yeah, because uh, to me, he was hold the Chargers game was definitely worse because he was holding on to the ball for for so long and the eight sacks the offensive line wasn't good against the chargers this is not me giving the, a pass to the offensive line but there were eight sacks can we sit here and say that the offensive line was responsible for all eight of those sacks i don't think so maybe half maybe a four and four split four on the line which isn't good but four on the quarterback and also he lost two fumbles which gave mm -hmm. them the ball on the 50 and then the two yard line so you get to a sack that knocked us out of field goal range. That's 17 points. That was like directly attributed because of Zach mistakes. It, right, right. So I, I agree. I think the chargers game was actually worse than the Raiders one, but uh, people love talking about how he's cut down on interceptions, which he has. And I think you have to give him some credit for that, but fumbles lost also counts as turnovers. He has 11 turnovers in nine games. That's still a lot. Yeah. And I would much rather see, you know, an interception that's a punt than a fumble that's going the other way 48 yards or, you know, puts them in, you know, on our side of the 50 immediately. Like, I don't want to see the, the interception we saw this past week, but you have to be able to push the ball further down the field because that's part of our issue is they can, you know, load 10 guys in the box or 12 guys in the box, whatever you want to do, fucking stop Brees Hall, just say, okay, we're, we're going to double Garrett, we're going to prevent Brees Hall from running the ball, and then, you know, Zach, you just got to figure it out. And we know your first look's always going to be Garrett. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's it's really frustrating to watch. And I I think there's a lot of blame to go around, but Zach, um, God, I just, I don't know. Do you think there's any truth to, like, the Jets not bringing in a veteran at the beginning of the year because Rodgers said he wanted to come back this year? I don't know. I, I don't know if I put stock into, into that. I think it's either... Joe Douglas trying to be like, hey, like I used the second overall pick on this guy. We're going to figure out a way to make it work. Or maybe Woody Johnson, who's trying to force it. I, I don't think it's a, a full Robert Sala thing, but 
I mean, it's something we've talked a lot about on this show, and I think last week in particular, but mm-hmm. the Jets really had three opportunities to add a veteran quarterback to be a backup, and they never did. Last offseason, uh, yeah, the, the offseason in March, uh, when Rodgers went down in week one, the trade deadline, and they passed every time. Um, I, I think that was that was a mistake, but I don't think it's Rogers saying, "Hey, I want Zach to be the backup," or "Hey, you can't, you know, give up a day three pick to get Jacoby Brissett in here for a month." Like, I don't know. I don't think he would say something like that. Yeah, no, I don't get this to be on Salah necessarily. I think it's, you know, the the wording that was said when they were rolling with Zach was he provides the highest upside. I think he also provides one of the lower floors. I don't think Boyle's floor is very high, Um, but I think Trevor Simeon's is. I think Simeon's floor is higher than Zach's floor. Ceiling-wise, definitely not as high, but it might be a similar situation to last year where you had uh, Joe Flacco backing up uh, Zach Wilson, and then Mike White goes from third quarterback up to first quarterback. Maybe there's a situation where Simeon goes from practice squad to starter at some point, maybe, if they were to do it. I mean, I get this feeling that we are just seeing Zach the rest of the way out until we get Rodgers back, or we don't get Rodgers back, and it's still Zach the rest of the way out. I don't understand, and this is another thing we've talked about a lot, but I don't understand their refusal to ele- elevate Trevor Simeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if Trevor Simeon doesn't look as good as what he maybe was in as the Saints backup two years ago or what he was in Denver. I don't know how he could possibly be worse than Tim Boyle from what we've seen from Tim Boyle in the regular season, what we saw from him in the preseason, like everything. And, and I'm not saying like Trevor Simeon's this great quarterback and he's this like perfect answer, but we've seen him start a bunch of games. He has 30 starts in, in his career, you know, well, Boyle has what? a handful i i don't i don't get that one at all and I, I think maybe that's another move when they talk about personnel um that they'll look to change yeah and i'll go one further i don't even care if Simeon's starter i want him to be elevated to number two at the very least because yeah. zach had his best game of his career as soon as we signed trevor simeon we signed trevor simeon the end of september october 1st we go against the chiefs zach balls out if you elevate Simeon to number two, maybe Zach feels a little bit of pressure. There's a little bit of accountability there. The rest of the team at least is, you know, understanding like, okay, hey, they're they're doing something with the quarterback situation. It's not just being stagnant all the time. It's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch. And I think uh, Jet fans and Jet players deserve uh, more than what we're currently getting out of them. Uh, all right. Let's head over to Jets. For life says, gentlemen, love the show. I watch every Tuesday. Fan of 45 years, and we are the most loyal fan base. We don't deserve it. We don't care how you do it. Just win. Jets for life uh, is another one of those guys that I was just talking about. Similarly to the players that deserve better, the fans who pay a ton of money in jerseys and tickets and travel expenses, they deserve to at least be entertained if the NFL is an entertainment business because this is not passing the test. No, it's not entertaining. <laughs> it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna be bad, at least be fun. And the Jets are never a fun bad, right? They're a we're gonna set make the offense look like it's 1973 mm-hmm. uh, bad, and it's just like there's gonna be a million punts and field goals. That, that, that's not fun. If you're gonna lose, if you're gonna be bad. Be the Chargers. At least they put up a ton of points. Did you see the report that uh, Belichick is gonna be out after this year, and Orlovsky says it's kind of predetermined where he's gonna go? No, but does he yeah. think he's going to the Chargers? 
there was well there was a clip he would not say where they where he heard he might be going I speculated a few weeks ago it would be the Chargers because he would be going against the Raiders and Brady, who's a part owner of the Raiders, and he would uh -huh. be on the Chargers. He's got a set quarterback already. He's got the defense. Nice weather to retire out there. Like That would be the spot, either there or the Commanders. The Commanders going to the NFC because you're going to have to trade for Belichick. You'd be giving something up, but those would be the two spots that I kind of look at and identify as like maybe. Can I throw a third in there? Ooh, Not yeah. that I disagree with any of yours, but I, I think he's always wanted to be the Giants head coach. Agreed. Um, I, I where, do as well. I don't know if Dable's out after this year, though. No, I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily imagine a Dable Belichick swap. Yeah, Dable's be from New England. Yeah, he is. Or I saw this. Okay, I want to get really big brain here for a second. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Hold on, let me line so, yeah, up. That on. I'll pretend I got have it. A tin <laughs> okay, this here, my my Islanders hat, be my little tinfoil hat. <laughs> we got we got to just start lining our hats with actual tinfoil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so the Giants get Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. Brian Dable goes back to Buffalo to be the offensive coordinator. And I can Josh see Allen that that way. I think McDermott might be out. My one buddy who's a Giant fan was hoping that. They could trade someone to get Allen into New York, but it's easier to swap the quarterback out than it is to get the quarter. Uh, than it, it's easier to swap the coach out than it is to swap the quarterback out. So I don't yeah. think, I don't think the quarterbacks are going anywhere. But I could see Dable going back to Buffalo. I could see Belichick going to the Giants. That would be if if the Giant job opens up. I think it's definitely the Giants. Yeah, I, and again, not a guarantee. I, I like. Uh, Dable. I know they've had a terrible year this year and he hasn't been very good, but I don't know if I'd pull the plug after two years, but the Giants, I mean, he's the DC there forever. He loves the Giants. He loved Parcells there for some reason, hates the Jets. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's like really his dream job. Just my personal feeling on it. How would it work? Does the all-time wins record include being a GM? Like what if Belichick was like, I'll be GM of the Giants and Dable is still the head coach? Does I don't count. I don't, I mean, maybe, but I don't, I don't think so. I think it's coaching. I think it's all time yeah. wins coach. Interesting. 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 Uh, Jets for life comes in with a second super chat says coaches, quarterback injuries, other teams overcome it. And we don't, uh, and we don't want to hear it just when we are so overdue for some magic. There's injuries across the board, across every team. Like when the, when people say, Hey, it's the Jets, it's because of the injuries. Yes. And no, I mean, yes. Cause the, the Rogers injury, we probably have the worst one along with the Vikings for losing your starting quarterback, but like other teams overcome it. You can, the quarterback can elevate the players around him. And I have not seen through two and a half years, Zach Wilson elevate the players around him. I think that is the mark of a franchise quarterback. And that's where I'm a little frustrated where he may not be giving away the game. He may not be the reason we lose a game, but he's definitely, I don't know. I shouldn't say definitely not the reason because we have 24 seconds left. The dude drives us all the way down the field. So I got to be very careful with like some of <laughs> me saying like he's not the reason, but it doesn't feel like he's consistently elevating the talent around him the way other quarterbacks do. No, and everything has to go absolutely perfect for him to have some sort of success. If there's um, bad, bad weather, drops, offensive line, play calling, like he can't overcome any of that, it feels like. Wild Wave comes in, says, since Zach took over, our offense is ranked 30th in the league. Salah knows Zach isn't the guy. It's literally on his face. Zach is done in New York. You think Zach gets cut after the season, 
Or do you think they try to swing some sort of like faux trade where it's like, we'll give you a conditional seventh if Zach is on your roster following, you know, the 2025 campaign or something like stupid like that? Um, uh, or do you think he's I here as like the backup behind Rodgers and we don't exercise his option? I definitely don't think they exercise the option. I think they have a different backup quarterback and I don't think he's here. I don't know if he gets traded. I don't know if he gets outright released. But I don't I, I would say he's not he's not here in year four. He's somewhere else. Yeah, because I don't know how you bring him back as like quarterback three. I mean, I wouldn't mind it necessarily. You gotta pay him anyway. And unless you're getting something, unless you feel like he's too much of a distraction, which I don't necessarily get the feeling he is if you bring in another quarterback. Like you bring in some sort of veteran that can back up Rodgers, but if you feel like there's like that weird, you know, social team dynamic where you feel like you can't put Zach that far back, or maybe it's admitting too much fault. Or do you want to see them take a quarterback at some point this year in the offseason? Because then you get a year or two of that quarterback sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, and then you kind of reset the clock again on the quarterback contract. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'm, that's going to be a really, really big discussion point this offseason. I wouldn't take a quarterback in the first round, I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to have to really dig more into these quarterbacks. Um you know, in the off season, I, you know, it's still, I'm not at that point where I'm ready to go into mock draft mode, but. Oh dude, I started looking at some quarterbacks and stuff. Like I, I'm not in mock draft mode, but last weekend I was watching the LSU game and I was watching the USC and Oregon game. So I got to see Bo Nix. I got to see Jalen Daniels. I got to see uh, Michael Penix the other day. And I got to see Caleb Williams. There's like seven or eight really good quarterbacks coming out this year that might go in the top two rounds. And I, if there's a way for the jets to get another pick, like I don't I get the feeling Bryce Huff might get traded. Like if we can't work out some type of long-term deal, I think he's going to get franchise tag and I don't know if the Jets can carry that type of tag for that position. Okay. Yeah, and I hope maybe you get a late first or an early second for him. Yeah, I hope it doesn't come to that, but there are day two, I'll say day two options that are intriguing. Um there's a lot yeah, at the top of the second round that would be Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, should should if Shador Sanders comes out or not this year? Um, Quinn Ewers, there's Ewers from, Texas. from Texas. There's uh, McCarthy from Michigan. Yeah, there's a lot. Drake May, Drake May and Caleb Williams are going in. The, they'll in they'll the, go top five. Uh, but Penix is probably going in the first round also. But I don't know yeah. how many more. Then those Jayden Daniels is one that might dude six foot four. The dude had like 500 all purpose yards or 600 all purpose yards the other night. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I, I don't know. I'm lukewarm on, on drafting a quarterback. Cause I see it. Like you said it behind Rogers, but then like, I also feel like that's your half in half out on. Going no, how first. about this here? Watch this. We'll get to more super chats, but I'm, I'm tinfoils running through my brain right now. So how okay. about this? The, Raiders are trying to get up for a quarterback. Jets are sitting nice and and high. We're we're picking five to eight, five to ten, somewhere in that range. Raiders somehow win a few games. They're sitting, you know, uh, before not not playoff rank, but like fifteen to twenty. They want to come up. We'll give you Devonte Adams to trade down. We keep our first round pick, but they move up for their quarterback. Now you have all right. Are the Jets keeping their first round pick? Are they taking an offensive lineman? I think it kind of at least gives you the option maybe of trading down, picking up a second round pick again. Like I'm all about trading down in this draft. I still want an offensive lineman, 
But like, I'm looking at these quarterbacks, and if you can nab one to sit behind Rodgers for a bit, because I don't think it's going to be the same mentality with Rodgers as the love trade up when T. Higgins was on the board, which I could see the Jets going and getting T. Higgins this offseason and kind of righting the wrong that was Rodgers <laughs> initially. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Trading down with the Raiders to get Devontae? Uh, that's an interesting way to go about it as well. I, I'm probably I knowing myself and just where I am right now in my very early uh, draft process, but just my ideology. I more than likely think I'm going to land on take the best offensive lineman available. Mm. All right, that's fair. Sky C comes in. Thank you so much for the super chat. Says, "Hey Ryan and Matt, could Salah be on the hot seat? His resistance to make change." Uh, changes, penalties, etc. is frustrating. Could Ulbrich be an upgrade at head coach? He's got this D dialed in every game. Uh, hi, Greenbean. So I think that Salah will not get fired. I think he should be on the hot seat for next year if things don't get better with Rodgers. But I think there's a higher likelihood that Zach becomes the scapegoat and gets to fall on the sword because we're not getting rid of Nathaniel Hackett with Rodgers here. You're not getting rid of Salah when he lost his starting quarterback on opening night. And I, that's my my guess. I don't think Salah – you could call it a hot seat, I guess. Like the seat can be roast and hot, but he's not getting fired this year. I don't think. No, I think the entire regime, so head coach and GM, get a pass for Rodgers going down four plays into the season. That's not to say you can't be critical of him. I think there are reasons, excuse me, to be critical of both right now, but uh, I think both are back next year. I really do. Blitzcrew, William, and Barney will get to your Super Chat in just a second. I just want to jump forward to Douglas real quick. He dropped the 20 spot. Thank you so much, Douglas. He says, Zach played decent with some really good moments and some mistakes, which most quarterbacks will make at one point or another. There were at least three definite touchdown moments negated by a drop, a penalty, or silver, a sliver of a toe before the interception. Um, yeah, look, there were opportunities for the Jets to win that game. And that's what's so frustrating is we kept getting field goals in opportunities to, to score points. The Zach stepping out at the three, followed by the Brees touchdown that got negated by Uzama, was so frustrating. I was so excited for that damn run that Zach had. It was such a good run, too. It was third and, like, eight or third and nine, and he, he gets us the first down, and, oh, it's just brutal. Feels like there's always something. There's always some excuse built in, and it just it irritates me. I want to get away from that. Yeah, I do. I do too. And that's the thing. Like, yes, you be the, those points are, I'm not going to dispute any one of those points. Um, but the reality is this team for three years has not scored with him, with different coordinators, with different weapons, with different offensive lines, different running backs. Um, you know, and he missed Alan Lazard on the left-hand side, uh, you know, er earlier on a third down where he didn't really set his feet and the interception was bad. We can't look past the interception as they had a chance and we're driving late. Um, again, he's not the only reason not why to mention, if they just kick a field goal there, the jets wind up holding, uh, the Raiders and they get the ball back in field goal range. Like we, we got back into, well, or I guess closer to field goal range or we were in field goal. Range. Zach was running around at like, it would have been a, like a 60 yard kick to win it for Zerline. You're not I don't think you're settling for a field goal in that spot with, it was under two minutes already at that point with three timeouts. I think we had three timeouts. Because we we ended we had the last drive with one timeout left. Uh, I guess there was the two maybe it was two forty. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. I we I talked think they about were, it briefly on stream. We're like, man, you're almost at this weird point of like, if you don't trust us to punch it in, <laughs> like, do you send the defense back out there to try and stop them and get Zerline to get you six points instead of Zach getting you five? Well, seven. But 
Yeah, I, I, I think I, I understand what you're what you're saying about putting the strength back out on the field. I, I think I would have went for it at that at that point. Um, yeah. Well, I just mean but, just about not getting the interception. Like you get if you're on fourth down and like seven, why not kick the field goal at that point? You know, if you wind up in that sort of situation. That's different. Yeah, that's that's different. I guess it depends on where you are on the field in the down and distance. That's fair. Okay. Blitzcrew comes and says, you think Deculus should be, uh, oh, that's the new right new tackle that we brought in, uh, should be right tackle, push Mitchell inside to right guard or reverse that. Feel weird saying this. Should Ashton Davis get more playing time? Ashton Davis makes plays when he's on the field. Like, I would love nothing more than Ashton Davis to wind up supplanting, you know, Whitehead after the season as a as a starter for us but he's in the final year of his contract now davis i think um i would love to see more reps from him but the defense has been so good i don't think you take whitehead out no i don't think you mess with it he was again around the ball his biggest thing was uh coverage which he's been a little better at this year and his pursuit angles can be very bizarre, but he's gotten, he has gotten better. There is no denying that he has gotten better. He does make plays. He's always around the ball. He's a great athlete. Um, I don't know if he gets a bigger look this, this year, to be honest with you. And I, I like, I thought Mitchell played a good game at right tackle. I wouldn't move him. I mean, he contained Max Crosby. I, I thought for sure he was going to be a turnstile. I thought that was going to be a problem consistently over the course of the entire like game, but he held his own for the most part, aside from, I think it was on the intentional grounding call him and Tomlinson both kind of got blown up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but by and large, I want to see Saffold at right guard. That's where I want to see. And I want to see Mitchell at right tackle. Do you think we see Saffold at any point? Possibly. I, I think that, that you possibly could. I also saw online, I forget who brought it up on, on Twitter today, the idea of, uh, Dwayne Brown moving to guard, uh, mm. kind of like, um, oh my God, what's his name? Who was on the, uh, Eagles for all those years. Jason Taylor. Uh, not Jason Taylor. Um, Jason Peters. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's, it's like like what he's doing with Seattle right now. Um, I'd be fine with that. Thought, yeah. Just get your best five out on the field. I'm worried they're going to put Brown back out at left tackle, and he's just not fast enough to like. I don't want to. I'm I'm afraid of that too. I think Mikai's been okay at left tackle. Uh, William comes in and says, you guys are too young, but 2023 reminds me of 1976. Lou Holtz was hired as coach. Namath was asked to run the option. Jets averaged 12 points a game. At least that's a different time frame. You're talking 50 years ago, William. 50 years ago, I'd be okay with the Jets scoring around, you know, 17 points a game or whatever we've averaged since Zach been here. That's that And that was, that. I just pulled up the 1976 season, by the way. So 12.1 points per game was, there were still two teams worse. Than two, wow, that's brutal. Do you know what, like, the what was the top team averaging? Uh, roughly what was league average? Yeah, let's do, let's do that. Uh, we got to do, okay. 19, why is it on the 1976 Jets? I want the 1976 season. Give me, stall for a few seconds and I will be able to, Oh, it. absolutely. I mean, 12 points a game. We, I, every week I see Buffalo Jet fans uh, tweet that says if the Jets had just scored league average points for the last, I think we're up to 26 games, the Jets oh. would be 21 and five. <laughs> 21 and five if the Jets just score like 21 or 23 points, whatever league averages. That's absurd. This defense is far too good to be crippled by the offense that we've had the last few seasons. Unreal. 
Okay, th- this is hilarious, actually. So 28 teams, so we'll say four, the team in 14th we'll call average, right? Okay. 19, 19.1 points per game. No so not, way. It's not only like three or four, four point difference. Right. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were last, averaging 8.9 points per game. Oh, man. I they mean, if you average our offensive points, we might be close. <laughs> it's our special went, teams and our they defense. Were, they were shut out one, two, three, four, five times in 14 games. Uh, they scored 20 Was that the winless season by one. the Bucks? Is that yes. that year? Yeah. Oh, and 14. Their highest scoring game was 20 points and a 23-20 loss to the Miami Dolphins. They were under 20 points in every other game and zero points five times. Wow. wow. That stinks. <laughs> Holy crap. Barney comes in with Super Chat says, Dare, name five jet things to be optimistic about. So jet things or jet players, uh, let's do it for the end of the season. And let's name five jet players that we're excited about. Cause saying like, you know, Rogers coming back, I, I think can be one of them, but I, I let's want to avoid that and just go like worst case scenario. He doesn't come back and let's try to be optimistic. Try and go. That oh, just like things to be optimistic about with this jets team. Yeah. We'll for do the rest players- of this year. Let, let's, let's go one to one. Like you, I'll say something, you say something, I'll say something. And we'll try to get up to five between the two of us. Okay, sure. Uh, All right. So first, first one for me. Sorry, I'm stealing it. Izzy, (laughs) I'm excited to see what this kid can do the rest of the season. That's that was not even crossing my mind. I was going to go Sauce Gardner just because he is a special player to watch every single day. Oh, okay, yeah, that that's really optimistic. I mean, him, like Garrett and Brees. I like watching them. I want to see them be able to get the ball more. But like, can I be optimistic about that? I don't know. I, I think I'm looking at the younger players. So yeah, I want to see more man. from Gibson. Like if Gibson can be our slot receiver and I feel comfortable about that moving forward, that's pretty nice. Kid can ball out. Yeah. Uh, Tipman at center mm. is a big one. Um, Quinn and Williams is still being a special player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quincy's development this year. Dude, um, we have a lot of special players. A lot of things to be optimistic about. Yeah. It's just the the, the one major one. The- <laughs> The franchise quarterback that got knocked out is the one that's kind of hanging that cloud over us. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to like. Unfortunately, it's, you know, well, most of it's on the defense. Yeah, my biggest concern with the optimism that I have right now is can they sustain it for another year? Because I was already kind of concerned that the Jets would be able to duplicate last year's defensive performance with another year of it. But like, and I understand you're you're, you're keeping the same guys together. But it still gets volatile trying to like duplicate performances year over year. So there's things to be excited about for sure. Justin Crazy says thoughts on the players only meeting. Matt, what did you think of the Jets having a players only meeting, and in general, what it usually means to have a players only meeting? Yeah, um, I think if that's what they felt they needed to do, then I trust the locker room to handle what they need to handle. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't look at it as, oh my God, like this is just going to go completely off the rails. I think it's absolutely fine to have a player's meeting. It was probably necessary after losing two games and trying to avoid going off the rails here in the second half. Yeah, and I think it's a tough thing for coaches to have to have the conversation of like, hey, it's on me that you are causing penalties. Like it's one thing if Garrett Wilson or CJ Mosley or 
Brees Hall stands up and they're like, you can't keep causing penalties. You are the reason that this happened, or this is the reason that we did not have success as a team. And there's, there's ways you can frame it where it's not necessarily an attack, but Michael Carter being released after the players only meeting. I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like the players decided anything, but I feel like the coaches probably decided like, Hey, we're going to inactivate Michael Carter. He's a little grumpy right now. Clearly, uh, Izzy has some excitement, some power, some explosion behind him. Maybe we keep moving on with that. So I'm not, I'm not beat up too much about the players only meeting. I think it was a necessary evil right now. Um, I shouldn't say even necessary evil. It's just something's got to change. We got to spark something. And if you're not changing the quarterback, you're not changing the play caller, got to change other things. Jace Odom says, do we plan on Zach being our guy after Aaron or bring in a rookie next year, Penix Daniels mid round or get Justin Fields to sit a year or so? So I very much, I'm in the draft, a quarterback camp right now. Um, I would love if you can tell me I could get Penix. Well, Penix is probably gonna be in the first round. But if you can somehow get a second-round pick and get Jaden Daniels or Penix or Bo Nix, any one of those like top six or seven quarterbacks, and you can let them sit for two years behind Rodgers, that would be my preferred route because you, at the worst-case scenario, after Rodgers leaves, have a backup that's been in the system, and you can then decide if that's your guy or if you want to move up and try to get someone else. Um, but you're not investing an overly aggressive draft pick or asset into something where you can still try to win now like i don't want to see another will mcdonald type pick necessarily where it's a pick for the future but quarterback is a special type of um position i think and matt i know you were saying you're not yeah. quite there just yet but w where do you feel like we go after rogers i guess we don't really know how long rogers plays but let's say it's like he let's worst case scenario it rogers does not come back great after the achilles and next year is a clunker of a season. Are we going with a quarterback after Rodgers after next season? Or are we going after a quarterback this year to at least sit behind him for a year? Um, I don't. I, I think maybe they take someone not in the first round and have them sit as a project. I would say that mm. would be my guess. But I would be really surprised if they go into the NFL draft and take a quarterback in the first round with, you know, remaining needs on the offensive line and at wide receiver, I do think that they are going to try to go for it in this window um, mm -hmm. and loading up on offensive weapons and offensive line is a good way to do that. But my, I, I would guess then uh, a potential mid round quarterback. And again, I think we're going to have to take some time in the off season and dig into mm -hmm. some, you know, potential options of who we like in those spots but i i don't think it's going to be uh you know a, a first round guy that the jets are taking with let's say they end up with pick 15 they're just middle of the road they're like an eight and nine mm -hmm. team i don't think they're going to take Penix in that spot yeah i feel like i would be a little surprised to see them use the first round pick on it i do think we're going to get offensive line and free agency i i've been saying it since basically last offseason i think back is going to come in here um, I think Mike Evans or T Higgins or, you know, some type of receiver is going to come in during free agency as well. So if you can shore up a lot of holes by the draft, you know, I still think offensive line is going to be a, an issue, but if you say you've got Tomlinson at left guard locked in, you've got Tipman at center locked in, you've got AVT coming back at guard locked in, and then you have 
either a Bakhtiari or a Becton, and then you just have to include another first-round pick because I don't think you're going to get enough out of Carter Warren in, in training camp and practice to feel any sort of comfortable with him, and I don't think you feel comfortable with Max Mitchell right now as one of your starting uh, penciled-in tackles in the offseason as well. So offensive line just feels like the right move early on. I like the idea of a project quarterback. If one of these like top seven quarterbacks falls to the third round, I'd probably consider it. But this is supposed to be a really deep wide receiver draft. So you can go and get you know a veteran receiver and offensive lineman in free agency and then double dip and get an offensive lineman and a wide receiver. I would probably go O-line first round, wide receiver third round, um, pending draft analysis and stuff. But uh, quarterback's a little tougher to swallow without that second round pick. Agree. Agree. That that makes a big difference in, in all of this because then you're going you have a round one pick and then a round three pick. Not having that second rounder mm-hmm. changes that, your plans. I think. Boogie Down Bronx comes in with a super chat. Thank you. He says Zach is not the whole problem, but he's a problem when you can't get you touchdowns. Then he pads the stats throwing the last two minutes of the game. Yeah, when you have teams that are playing prevent defense against us, like the uh, like the Chargers did two weeks ago, Zach wouldn't have had the 263 yards where we say, oh, he didn't really have that bad of a game. And if he had thrown that touchdown to Uzama at the end, it'd be 265 and a touchdown, but the last 75 yards and a touchdown mean nothing. So right. you got to get the stats and the, the, the scores earlier in the game for it to actually have any kind of weight or meaning. Matt, is there anything we can learn from these like garbage time stats or are they just that? I think it's just that because, as you mentioned, the defense plays a little bit different in that spot. The only time where I would say would have been different if against the Raiders, if he goes down and get gets him into the end zone and they score a touchdown and they win the game, then all is forgiven for the struggles before mm-hmm. that because, you know, it's better in a win. Then we'd be talking about how, you know, it was a good game from Zach Wilson and that was a good performance. But, you know, unfortunately, that was, that was a really big spot that just – it came up empty and unfortunately again it's unfortunate i was i wanted him to go down and score but he didn't they, they turned the ball over and and they lost the game because of it yeah i mean you have the interception this week you had the interception uh against the broncos which ultimately did not cost us the game you had the fumbled snap the week prior against the chiefs so this is like three times this year where zach has had a critical turnover and i sertan had a crazy interception too it's not I'm I'm not going to harp too much on Zach for that one, but you got to be able to accumulate some stats in the prime parts of the game, not just the the last two minutes. Uh, Michael Saunders comes in with Super Chat, says, so Michael Carter is benched for a questionable chop block call, but Uzama kept playing after he literally took a 20-yard gain and a touchdown away from us. I agree with this. I do think Michael Carter was made to be the scapegoat um, I'm not sure why Uzama was not in that same kind of conversation. And it might be because like what Matt said earlier, Michael Carter may have asked for his release where Uzama, if he gets deactivated in some capacity, probably won't. Um, or at least I don't think he would. Uzama's a pretty good locker room guy. And if there's any sort of sourness to Michael Carter, because I, I mentioned it earlier too, Michael Carter and Elijah Moore were pretty tight. It wouldn't shock me if they were kind of chirping one another behind the scenes and like, you know, here and some, and that's all speculation on my part. I shouldn't say that. But what do you think about Uzama not getting pulled from the game? But Carter was. Um, I think it's a little easier to pull Carter in that spot because they have two other uh, running backs, and they 
never have multiple running backs on the field at the same time. With Uzama, they run a lot of multiple tight end sets. So while I would have been there, you know, benching Uzama or putting him as the clear-cut third string with Ruckert as the clear-cut second string, I don't know if they were prepared to do that in the game at that point. They might have just been like, we have to deal with this now kind of, a, you know, and just get through. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if that changes this week and if that's part of their personnel plan for, for this game. Um, again, kind of harder to do that because of the amount of players that are on the field at that position. Yeah, it's almost like we kind of the, the tight end's almost a little more valuable because even though you know Uzama has some of those penalties, if he is blocking well in other situations, ooh, sorry, excuse me, and uh, I don't know, he's almost like a de facto extra offensive lineman. But if you're holding, you're going backwards anyway. I don't know. It's there. It's definitely sending a mixed message. I agree, Mike. Uh, Cafe, by the way, says we're definitely going to win the next two games. It's the Jetsian way. I do feel like the Bills are reeling right now. Uh, I think as soon as they lost Trey White and Matt Milano, they absolutely just started imploding. And I think you'll start hearing stuff from Stefan Diggs kind of behind the scenes, or maybe like there will be reports about it. I saw his brother. Yeah. He's had two of them. He had one saying that you got to get him out of there. And the other one was uh, Josh Allen wasn't balling out until Stefan got there, which true i mean Diggs and dable really really helped that whole situation um, i think that's still a shitty move for another nfl player to say about you know his brother's quarterback like that i don't know i, I don't like when players it, go online to talk shit about other players especially a family member it feels like there's some venom there yeah it, it's i i don't i don't love that i thought that was a dick move yeah, do you think that the Jets pull out the win versus the Bills? And I, man, if there's one win I really want to have the rest of the way out, like Black Friday against the Finns would feel so good. Standalone game, yeah, yeah that around a little bit. That ending the streak against the uh, the Patriots and hurting their draft stock. Oh well, no, that would help their draft stock. So maybe not actually, but um, just ending that streak would really feel good. But I. I I want to win this game. I just want to keep their season alive. If you drop the four and six, it's really hard uh, mm. to stay alive at that point. And, you know, who, who knows? Five and six. If the Raiders, if the Jets are five and five and the Dolphins lose and are six and four, then going into that game in two weeks is for first place, as nuts as that is. Wild. Absolutely it, wild. They give us that little bit of hope every time and, <laughs> and just come crashing back down. And look, I'm going to be a sucker. I'm going to buy it every which way. The Jets are not eliminated yet. As doom and gloom as I was on Sunday, I'm not so much anymore. <laughs> I have faith. I just don't have faith we're going to, I don't know. I just want to see us win. Just win. Just win one week. Win this win. week, then we'll figure it out after that. Michael find says, a way. guys. Ooh, what was that? I was sorry. I was just saying, you just have to find a way to score. We could talk about all all day long. The defense is great against Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, in, the Bills are in shambles. All, all those things are are true. They, the Bills don't look like themselves right now, and the Jets' defense plays excellent against Buffalo and Josh Allen. But mm-hmm. they don't score points. <laughs> you have to score to win the game. Yeah, there's gonna there is gonna be some amount of points scored on this defense. It's just gonna happen, or the offense is gonna put us in a really awkward spot. And we're going to be like giving the ball over in their territory. Like we have to score points against Buffalo. Uh, yep. Michael says, guys, shake my head. Pinch me. We still have a chance to win the division. Unbelievable. Michael, 
I, it is unbelievable until we start winning some games and scoring some damn points. Jace comes in, says, change my mind. Rodgers doesn't change this offense right now. Even when he does everything right, bring back, uh, bring it back. Does everything right. Uh, you still back. get the holding call by Uzama. Lazard was a bad signing. Look, I agree not everything goes correctly if Rodgers is here, but I do think Rodgers gets the ball out much faster. I feel like our offensive line in preseason looked like Swiss cheese until Rodgers got in there and started ripping the ball to Garrett stupid fast in that Giants game. Um, I feel like, you know, the play calling, the call comes in, Rodgers changes it at the line anyway, so that changes things a little bit. I think... There's something to be said for Garrett Wilson coming into training camp saying, wow, Rodgers throws a very catchable ball. I think some of these drops that we're seeing from receivers, tight ends, running backs from Zach, even though they're perfectly placed, throws a tough ball. Like Zach throws 100 miles an hour a lot of the times. And I think some touch and some some knowledge of where guys should be, like throwing guys anticipation throws. It's not waiting for someone to actually be physically open before Zach tries to muscle the ball in there. Uh, in that tighter window I disagree I think Rodgers would have a huge impact on this team right now yeah I I can't agree with that at all I think having a great quarterback masks a lot of issues whether it be with play calling or personnel or the line you mentioned you hit a you hit it on the head with a lot of these things the line looks better because he's not holding on to the ball for three plus seconds um, and he does throw a much more catchable ball and if there is a drop or a penalty it's not a drive killer because as we mentioned before, like the conditions have to be absolutely perfect for Zach to have any sort of success. Um, so, you know, a, a drop isn't necessarily a drive killer. A perfect example is in the game, the Bengals and the Texans this past week on the, the final drive where CJ Stroud goes down and, and scores a touchdown. There was a big drop on that drive, but guess what? That wasn't, Oh man, there's a drop. That's it. We tried. We gave it the old college try. He went down and scored anyway. Like, good quarterbacks, they just find a way sometimes. Yeah, and not to mention the penalties that have been happening. I don't think Rodgers stands for it. If someone screws up on the field, Uzama doesn't see the field. <laughs> like, Rodgers says, no, you are out. And I think that he would hold players accountable to a way that I don't think Zach can because he doesn't have the clout, he doesn't have the, the skills to be able to do that because they are not scoring in part because of Zach as well. So there's a lot to, to go into that, um, but... Jace, I, I disagree. I do think Rodgers would uh, have a big impact on this team. RJ comes in, says, if Salah has the opportunity to be a Belichick-level coach, then we should stop with the fire Salah talk. It's nonsense. We're just a top-five quarterback away from a Pats-like dynasty. Trust the process. Dude, I I don't know if I want a Belichickian coach. Like it, it seems to be that Tom Brady was the reason they were winning a bunch of those games in New England at this particular point in time. But I get what you're saying. Uh, look, Sal is not on that level of, of play, but I do think you have to, and at least you owe it to him and Douglas, who built this roster and got the quarterback in here, to at least see that through. I think they've earned next year at the very least, but you could you could have the, the seat warmers turned all the way up on Douglas and, and Sal if you want next season with Rodgers. I think that's, that's perfectly fair at that point, but I don't think we should be talking fire Sal right now. No, and I think it's fair to be, you know, the the critic criticism of Salah is fair. And I, I like mm. Salah. I would consider myself someone who's I would say I'm a Robert Salah fan, but I, I can't mm. say that he's a top five quarterback away from being in the same conversation as Bill Belichick. I, that's not to say that he's 
not a significantly better coach with a good quarterback. I think he is, but I think we got a long way to go before we're at that point. Yeah. Julian comes in and says, do you guys think Lazard deserves any blame for Zach interception in the fourth quarter? I feel he could have done more. So what Julian's referring to here is Lazard uh, in the post game, Bart Scott, or yeah, it was Bart Scott that said it on the, on the SNY post game that Lazard should have came back to the ball uh, and been able to, to catch it in front of the linebacker. And the linebacker was just sitting there waiting for him to, to half-ass her out. And, I there is something to it because Lazard just does not fight for the football anyway. Like we've seen it before where the ball's like coming right towards him and all he has to do is extend his hands out to try and high point the ball, even if he's not jumping at that particular point. So I do think Lazard is to blame in some capacity for the interception, but I don't think Lazard should have been the target on such a play in that sort of situation because he's had other issues in the past. So whether that's Hackett calling for Lazard to be in that spot or Zach identifying Lazard as the person to go to there, I feel like both those are flaws in and of themselves. Um, but I think Lazard maybe gets 20% of the blame for that. I don't know. Do yeah, it's... I hear I hear that argument and I I understand where that's coming from. But that doesn't take away that one the throw was still telegraphed where they were go- like it was mm-hmm. so obvious that's where the ball was going and two I mean Roger said it today that's not where the ball should have went. He said mm-hmm. based on the scenario it should have been either in the flat or on the other side of the field. So it was the wrong read and a telegraphed throw. So yeah, I I think 80-20 might be nice. I think it's 90-10, something like mm-hmm. that. That's like a commentary. But that's the thing that we that really bothers me with the whole Zach conversation is like that 10%. The thing that should be the 10% blame is the thing mm-hmm. that I've talked the most about this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. It's it's those little things that continue to stack up and continue to, to hit us in the side. Uh, Citybert says, any of these three teams can still win the East. Yeah, I think Buffalo, Miami... Look, I don't think Buffalo is doing a whole lot anymore because of their injuries. Losing Trey White and Milano for the season is is absolutely crippling to that defense, and I don't think they're going to be able, based on the level of play they've they've had basically since those injuries took place, I don't think they're for real. Miami has to beat a team that's got a winning record. They were probably hoping that the Chargers would win their last game uh, this past weekend because then that would mean that the Dolphins would have retroactively won a game against a team over 500 <laughs> in some weird wonky roundabout way. I I don't know. I The Dolphins seem to be the favorite. I would say it's 85% chance the Dolphins win that wins this division. I think it's probably a 10% chance the Bills do, and we're probably sitting at five just because we have the defense yeah. that might be able to stymie them. What do you think? That, that, sounds, that sounds spot on. The the Dolphins. I'm looking at their schedule right now. It's uh, they still have yeah they still have the Jets twice. Uh, and their last three games is the Cowboys at Baltimore against the Bills. But the Bills schedule is much much worse than that. Yeah, they Jets have, have the, the best schedule of the bunch. They they do, but again, it comes down to what we said all show. They have to <laughs> freak for a touchdown first before we start talking like this. But the uh, the Bills have the Jets this week. At Philadelphia, then they're by at Kansas City, hosting Dallas at the Chargers against New England and at Miami. That is a brutal final seven games. 
Now, what do you think the win total is that takes the division? What do we have? What What does a team have to get to? Eleven. I think the Dolphins probably win it with eleven. Mm. I think the Jets, if we do what we can do uh, from a defensive perspective, and we're able to score some kind of points, and we make it like a, a game, I think it's ten. I think if we win it, it's going to be at ten because yeah, we would have beaten I, I, the Dolphins. But I think the Dolphins are likely to win it at eleven. Correct. I think yes. If the Jets win it, then it's the Jets and Dolphins ha- are both ten and seven, and the Jets get it because of a tiebreaker kind of scenario. I would say, mm. but I think most likely, if you're asking me today what it's going to look like on January seventh, my guess is that Miami at eleven and six is the division winner. Gotham City comes and says Michael Carter had to be sacrificed to the football gods. At least he still has his Achilles. Uh, Blitzcrew comes in, says A.J. Brown did that with Elijah Moore, too. Yeah, A.J. Brown sprinkling some stuff over top of Elijah Moore, who was also friendly with uh, Marcus May and Jamal Adams. So there's been a lot of bad influence from former Jets or players from the outside uh, going in. A.J. Brown, very close with Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore has the same agent as A.J. Brown, as Debo Samuel, as D.K. Metcalf. And they were all getting paid. So I think that all was a contributing factor to the Elijah Moore stuff. Michael Carter always said the right thing up until the the explosion on the sideline uh, this past, what was it, week three, I think? It was against the Patriots when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I I think something's been bubbling since then, if I had to guess. Maybe. But they... Also, uh, it looked like, remember earlier in the year, it looked like Garrett Wilson was screaming on the sideline and then Robert Sala pretty much cleared it up and be like, mm-hmm. it looks like that on TV, but it's just a very passionate conversation. Maybe that was the, it did look like a blow up though. Um, Michael Carter addressed it afterwards too. So he did uh, talk about, he's like, you know, I shouldn't have done that. And, and this and the other thing, he's like, I'm a competitive guy. He's a competitive guy. So it, he handled it well. I thought Michael Carter handled it like a professional um, after, you know, maybe slipping up on the sidelines a bit. But um, I do wonder if there's some some hurt feelings kind of residual from then. Yeah, no, that that that's a good point. That's true. Douglas comes in with a super chat, says, in the words of Lloyd Christmas, so you're telling me there's a chance. Dude, I love Dumb and Dumber. It's one of my favorite, like, just easy movies to pop on. And anytime I see some sort of little chance that we have, it's always the gif of Lloyd saying, so you're telling me there's a chance. That is one of those movies where I can't tell you the last time I've watched it from start to finish, but Mm. there, if it's on TV, I'll sit there for a half hour and watch at least through a couple commercial breaks. Like I've, I've seen it in full Mm. probably five times by the amount of times that I've seen chunks on (laughs) TNT or TBS. Dude, I'm like that with like, Super bad's one of those movies for me, or oh, Tommy yeah. Boy, where it just I see it on, but I almost like turn it off on TV because there's so many bleeps or like turn like yeah. like factored out for for content purposes where I just turn it on myself <laughs> to watch like the unrated version. Man, I those are good movies. Uh Jace comes in, says, Y'all made good points. Zach may not be our downfall, but he isn't helping us win. If Rogers wins a ring, y'all have to do ayahuasca on stream. I would be totally down with doing ayahuasca, not on stream. I would rather, no. I would rather do it in like a controlled scenario where it's like more of a spiritual thing than like, a, hey, I'm gonna go smoke pot outside type of a thing. Like that doesn't strike me as that type of drug. No, I, I don't, 
I don't think it is. Um, <laughs> it seems uh, pretty I, violent. Yeah. Uh, don't you like, how do I say this delicately, like soil yourself <laughs> while you're on, the, on, on there? Got me. I have no idea. I started doing a little bit of research when we were like getting Rogers and this whole darkness retreat thing started coming up. And it's, it's fascinating. And there is some sort of like deeper connection that your brain like hits certain pathways or whatever. Um, I don't know if we get the, get to the playoffs though, we might be doing playoff mustaches. We were talking about that early in the season. I don't know if that's yeah. still a thing. Yeah. Uh, we might have, yeah. We'll worry about that in January. <laughs> I hope I have to grow one. What do we say? If we make the playoffs, we grow a mustache till the draft. Want to do that? Or is that too okay. long? That's a long time. <laughs> that is a long time. Maybe through the Super Bowl? Through the mm. end of the playoffs. Yeah, playoff stash. Yeah, yeah. Or only if we make the playoffs, we have the playoff stash until we aren't in the playoffs. Maybe that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So after the Super Bowl. Makes sense. Um, mercy. <laughs> mercy Fate comes in with Super Chat says, we're witnessing a very special defense. That's why it's so hard to watch our offense. Douglas and Salah should stay versus starting over again patience yeah i'm the same way there's something to be said for you know keeping the ship steady and you look at what they did to the defense you look at what this roster looked like beforehand like you can't tell me you would take this roster prior to joe douglas getting here like at all this douglas this roster is loaded you got players who want to play for robert sala coming here in free agency we attracted one of the most studly quarterbacks of our generation to be our quarterback in part because of robert sala i completely agree i don't want to start over i'm fine with them cranking up the heat until the the rogers experiment is done like if it's one year you know, if they look bad after next year, then you may have to reassess. But if Roger says he's playing a third year after that, I don't think you're moving on from him then at that point either. What do you think? How much leash does uh, Douglas and Salah have? And it could be different leashes. Yeah, I, I think it should be the same leash, by the way. I think they both should be held to the same standard because it's been enough time for both guys now. Douglas has been here five, five years uh, and. This is year three for Salah. And and I know like 2020 was the first draft, but like, again, this isn't like, we're not having this conversation in 2022. There's a long time now that he's been uh, in, in the mix doing stuff. So I think the expectation is not like, not just playoffs next year with, with Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying it's, if they don't win the Super Bowl, they're gone, but you need to be making in the playoffs and making a run. To, to come back if you're if you limp into the playoffs and are one and done i'm not sold again that it's, it's a lock that they're coming back again like context and circumstances matter here and how it happens i think is important to factor in and that's hard to say before we actually see it yeah i feel like there's you said context and that's a very important part of this whole puzzle because if the jets are playing well next year and they look like the team we thought they were going to be this year and they they win one playoff game and get bounced in the divisional round i could live with that the, my my mark for rogers this year if he was with us the full season was like okay we need to make the playoffs we need to win one playoff game um and then i feel comfortable next year was kind of the year i was penciling in okay it's super bowl or bust for that year and i don't know if that expectation changes a little bit because we didn't get to see him like at all this season but I do think next year the the temperature does deserve to be up high for Douglas and Salah when you finally have the quarterback uh, at your disposal. Yep. 
Blitzcrew coming in. Blitzcrew says, Salah and Belichick, not in the same league, hasn't gotten his first gate yet. Jets technically still in it, but this uh, with this offense, little faith. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of faith in, <clears throat> in the rest of the season here on out, but I would say that uh, I got a little. Got a little. Tell me yeah, it's hard, it's hard to be going to this game confident or any game really confident with just how bad this offense has been until proven otherwise. If they mm. go out and they score 27 points and they win against mm. the Bills, go, all right, I'll start to buy in. But if you go out and you lose 16-10, well, it's like, shit, this is the same story, man. The defense was great again, but we couldn't do anything on offense. So uh, I, I got to believe it to see it. Douglas says, uh, grow a Namath style Fu Man stash. Uh, do you think that's the way we go, or do we go something like Rogers esque? I feel like a Rogers esque stash might be more appropriate. I'm gonna just do the best I can. I'm more. I can't really do my stash. <laughs> I, I can Yours is significantly better. Solid. Is going to do phenomenal. I Green I Bean can't low. do a mustache. He's not allowed. Green Bean's not allowed to do mustache. Maybe we'll get him like right. a stick on one. Maybe we'll get him to dye like only the top part of his beard so it's, it looks yeah. like a mustache i will i'll have a mustache it's just not gonna look good. again i i really can't do much past the scruff i don't like going mm. full shaven it's uncomfortable for me but i don't grow facial hair well i'm not like a big guy but my face looks super fat when i start getting too much facial hair and i look like overly chunky than i actually am and uh then i start feeling self-conscious and that's not yeah. good I, I got trim. Yeah, I buzz it to like a quarter inch uh, mm -hmm. all the way around a few times a week. Um, boys and girls, if you're just hopping in here, make sure you hit that like button for us. Goes a long way. Uh, we are going to pick a jersey, t-shirt, hat, mug, pillow qualifier at the end of this stream. So make sure you hang out with us and uh, hang out for that till the end. I promise it's going to be it's going to be a pillow. I'm calling it this week. It's been a pillow for like the last few times. <laughs> oh, I didn't change that ticker yet. It still says the Jets Charger group, man. Uh, group by. Um, let's see. What else we got? What are you guys talking about in the chat over here? Paris says, get Green Bean to at least dye his beard green. Ooh. Ooh that'd be freaking epic. That would be pretty cool. We'll have to talk to Green Bean about it. Because I, I would say he's not allowed. I don't care if he would even no, be in for the I mustache. He's not allowed to get rid of that beard. It's too iconic. No, it is too iconic. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would like, like one of my good friends, uh, actually you met him at the tailgate, my, my buddy Tyler. Um, oh, good dude, he, good dude. Great guy, but he has a beard and it's a, it's an awesome beard. But one time, like six years ago, he shaved it completely and it was just not a, it was not a look. It's a he, different Tyler, person. It's yeah. Tyler, like, got to keep the beard. It's all, there's also a tan line. Like I'm sure green yeah. beans got a different tan <laughs> under that, like beautiful beard of his. Yeah, for sure. For, for sure. Blitzkrieg says, if we make the playoffs, should sport, oh, should sport the bicked Salah look? <laughs> or I've kind of already ish got the Salah thing. I just got to dye it black. Really yeah. Yeah, I got to uh, really dark. But like, we, I like, don't know if I could bick my head. I'd look like a testicle. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going full shaved head. I'll wear a bald <laughs> cap. How about that? We get bald I would do, cap. Yeah, I'll wear the, the daddy warbucks or whatever, you know, bald cap from annie i will do yeah i will do a bald cap and then like the meme 
like painted on beard. Mm, I like it. I like it. Mike drops in with a super chat. Thank you so much. He says, I'm not a Zach Wilson apologist, but Hackett is not receiving enough blame for the offensive struggles. Russell Wilson has more touchdown passes in nine games than he had all of last year. Hackett turned a Hall of Famer Super Bowl winning quarterback into trash. So Russell Wilson, I don't think he looked super good earlier this year. I think he's definitely found his footing the last probably, uh, I don't know, four weeks or so. Kind of, I would say since the Jet game is kind of where I've I've felt he's started to turn a little bit more of a corner. Do you have the stats pulled up, Matt? Yeah, he's got, I mean, 18 touchdowns in nine games is pretty good. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a pace of, let's see, let's do, not a match for claim to be. It's like 34. 34. That's a nice season. Um, he's only got four picks, so say 34 touchdowns, eight picks. He's That's throwing, way better than fucking Hackett. <laughs> yeah, 200 yards. He's not a ton of yards still. 201 if we round up times 17. So 3,400 yards, which isn't a, a ton, but mm-hmm. that's that's good. That's a top half of the league quarterback. He was a bottom five quarterback last year. And I, I do think Hackett gets a, a lot of blame. Like, Mm-hmm. I've I've been I've been I would say pretty critical of Zach Wilson this year, but I also think I'm pretty critical on Nathaniel Hackett. Like you're 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 right. Like his his play calling isn't isn't very good. And the the scheme- oh Mac, did you not like running behind the weak side of our offensive line into the strength of their defensive line? Did you yeah. actually want to run behind Beckton and Tomlinson and Tipman? Is that what you're trying to tell me? That's a crazy concept, right? A going to a going away one going away from Max Crosby, and then number two going behind. Your mammoth of a human and you know Mackay Becton. I, I don't. The logic doesn't add up. The math isn't mathing. So I get it. I'm not a Hackett fan. I just don't think it's realistic for any of us to expect them to change the play caller with Aaron Rodgers being here. That's his guy, and an Aaron Rodgers Nathaniel Hackett package is one that I would sign up for. I would sign up for having to take on Hackett if you're getting Aaron Rodgers. But when you lose Rodgers. Shit gets ugly quick. Yeah, I think if if fans are being honest, you probably Zach probably is number two in in line as far as who's who gets the most amount of blame. Like I would say Hackett is first and foremost. Zach would probably be second. Then I would blame it on penalties and injuries and things like that. Like you still got to score points, but Hackett should have a big target on his back. It just you you can't do anything because you got Rodgers. Do you think there's any yeah. truth to like Rodgers kind of having the Jets handcuffed? I mean, I guess it is. She can't move off Hackett. I I mean, I guess, but am I going to say that it sit here and tell you it's not worth it? No. Well, no. I, yeah, yeah, I would absolutely take Hackett, Cobb, Lazard, all those guys because of just how important. I think the quarterback position is the most important thing. So dealing with all of those things, but having the elite quarterback, it makes it worthwhile. Yeah, 100%. There's two different scenarios. Like people will get mad like, oh, look at what Joe Douglas did. They brought in Hackett, they brought in Cook, they brought in Lazard and Amos and uh, Billy Turner and and Malik Taylor and uh, Cobby and all that. Like, I don't like hearing that excuse because, like, yeah, sure, Douglas is the one signing the contract, I guess, but the whole jewel that you're trying to get is Aaron Rodgers, and that is 110% worth that, especially since the dude took like a zillion dollars less in a contract, which basically offsets all those contracts anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like it's you'd uh, have to argue, you'd have to argue that the the roster spot is more important. I feel like, and I don't know if it is. I don't think it is either. 
especially if you wind up having, if you have Corey Davis on this team, I'm feeling a lot better about the offensive weapon side of things. Um, and it wasn't like Joe Douglas ignored wide receiver either. I mean, he tried to go after Odell. There was rumors that we were going to try and go after Hopkins, although it didn't seem like there was much mutual interest there. And then there was Devonte Adams and Mike Evans at the trade deadline. So it's not like, I don't know. I think I'm going on a tangent here. No, but I, I get what I get what you're saying and where you're coming from. But moral of the story is it's worth all the I'll say quote baggage that comes along with it. Douglas comes in with a super chat says it helps Russell Wilson having Sutton and Judy plus an actual productive Mims. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not our Mims, but I uh, look Sutton and Judy very nearly traded. Judy definitely. I don't think Judy's going to be there in the offseason. I think they're going to try and reset some of those draft picks that they had to give up for Russell because at the very how old is Russell now Matt did you did you 35. notice it when 35 so figure he's got I don't know four years five years hit the running ish style mobile quarterback we haven't gotten to a point in the NFL yet where I feel like we have enough running style quarterbacks to know if that can be sustainable later into careers kind of like um you know a, a breeze or a Brady or a Rodgers even um do you think Russell Wilson's style of play will drop off once the legs maybe start to come out from under him? Maybe. I don't I don't know if he makes it to 40. I mean, he he could. He absolutely could, but I think he's got this is age 35 seasons, let's say 36. Maybe 3 more years, 4 more years mm. left, something like that. His contract was probably three or four years. So he'll probably, that's probably his last contract he's getting unless he like balls out and just, mm -hmm. I don't know, pulls a, pulls a Rogers or something like that. But he stayed healthy his entire career. I mean, the most amount mm -hmm. of time he's missed is two games. <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. In 2021. Oh no, I'm sorry. Three games then. It, right. 2021 was the first year of 17 games. So he missed three games in 2021. Um, two games last year. It's played every game and every other season. So an in, 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 incredibly durable quarterback. Blitz crew comes in, says Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff are pro bowlers with two offensive touchdowns this week. They are so good. The two of them. I want to see that moving forward, um, you know, into, into the future. Like I don't, the McDonald pick is like bonus at this point. So I really hope we don't lose Huff, but we've got so many potential pro bowlers. CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams might be the best duo of linebackers in the league. Sauce yep. Gardner, Michael Carter, the second and, and DJ Reed are easily the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. And to see us just floundering the way we are on offense is so damn frustrating. We might have the, like the entire offense or the entire defense from like a, our key player perspective might, might make the pro bowl and we won't have a single player on offense that does maybe Garrett. Actually, no Garrett and Brees. Ah, no, probably not with the stats they're having this year. But those would be the only two players that have a shot at making a, a Pro Bowl. Right. But I, I think what Blitz Crew is saying, and I totally agree with him, is if they were scoring and playing with a lead, their oh, defensive yeah. line is getting even more sacks and creating more turnovers than what they mm -hmm. already are, which is at an impressive clip. Um, oh, 100%. I mean, you, the, the amount of points were not like if you, our defense, our whole team really is built on having a lead. You run the ball with Brees Hall to protect the lead. You pass rush the shit out of the other quarterback because they know they have to pass. And then our lanky guys in DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, Whitehead, Carter, guys that can ball hawk on the back end, 
get to take advantage of those pressured passes that the D-line creates. And when you have a team that's not generating those, those scores on the offensive side of the ball, you're getting our run defense, which is not quite the same as, as the rest of the team. No, and uh, I know the run defense right now, like if you just look at the stats, it doesn't look great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have such a hard time criticizing anything right now with the defense like yep. my, the analogy i've used so, so many times i used it on my own show i used it on jake's show earlier today but it's like if you have this car right mm-hmm. and there's a little scratch on it and you're complaining about the scratch but you don't have an engine in the car and it's like well why the hell are you like why are you worried about a little scratch on your fender when you don't have a freaking engine like like let's prioritize the importance of things here i think that's a beautiful analogy for Everything going on with the Jets right now. Wrong verb says Jets need to bury that game ball they gave to Hackett. (laughs) (laughs) Like, use that as the voodoo doll. Please. Oh, gotta see something of it. Uh, Chuck says get rid of Zackett. Zach and Hackett. It's a wombo kind of Uh, deal. He's not going anywhere. Zach is going to be here for the rest of this year. Um, I... This kind of is upsetting for me to say because I wanted the Jets to draft him and I really mm-hmm. rooted hard for Zach and wanted to give him, you know, a full two year look before we bailed. And I thought like people were saying like, oh, he sucks. He's definitely not the guy like six games into his career was kind of crazy. But a part of me really doesn't want him on the roster next year just because of how toxic the discourse around him is um, mm-hmm. from a fan base perspective and a media yeah, perspective. Yeah. Correct. Not from like, I don't think he's a bad person. Um, I actually think he's pretty easy to root for outside of the uh, one comment after the Patriots game that he's been, I think he's been a model citizen this year. It's just, uh, I don't want to do another year of this debate. I just, I don't have it in me. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty fair. I get this feeling that Zach could be quarterback three next year. Um, God, I really, I kind of want to wash our hands of it and just reset the quarterback clock. Like, I, I really do want to make a selection of a quarterback in the draft at some point next year, third, fourth round, something somewhere in that range. Someone with high upside that you can sit behind Rodgers. Um, I think the, it's almost like the the Sam Darnold situation with us. Only we're not complaining about we're, we're more so complaining about the contract. And then it's the hope that he can get better with the mixture of that fifth year option thing. I Sam was 10 times the quarterback from a statistical standpoint than Zach is. Um, Even if I think his physical gifts were not as desirable, maybe as as Zach's are. Right. I don't like the revisionist history now of, Oh, like it was uh, a mistake. Easy decision. Right. Because like, no, it made total sense at the time when you're taking into account you know, you don't know the answer on your quarterback after year three. It'd be like the Bears, for instance, with Justin Fields. Like there mm-hmm. were some good things and there were some not so good things. And a really bad year that resulted in a top two pick with this player at quarterback. And if the Bears take, you know, Drake May, let's say, or Caleb Williams first overall, like that that kind of feels like the similar boat than that the Jets were in with Darnold after year three than what the Bears are in right now with Justin Fields. Yeah, I completely agree. Where do you think Kyler goes at the end of all this? Like he, like that's a whole interesting situation. Like where or Kirk, where he ends up? Um, I don't think Mac Jones is going to be a Patriot next year. No. 
Um, I'm trying to think who else is kind of around the league that would be coming up for deals. Yeah, I think we see both Kyler Murray and Kirk Cousins in new locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you think Kirk ends up in San Francisco finally with Shanahan at this point in his career? Maybe. It depends on how things finish this year with Brock Purdy, right? Because mm-hmm. I know it was rough for a while. He got back on track. If they go far in the playoffs, then you know maybe not maybe they just run it back but like if they go one and done and brought you know with brock party maybe they do that that's a one that makes sense um it's it's hard right now atlanta maybe i think atlanta is a spot for somebody because i think they'll win too many games to be outside of the you know be outside of the top quarterback conversation Mm um yeah those are really justin fields hometown he's a he's a georgia guy i could see i could totally see that um that would be interesting. Him yeah. and Bijan and London and Pitts. It'd be the greatest college team of all time. That, but we'll see if it if it's in the NFL. So much college talent uh, on that roster. I, I don't know. I'm curious to see the quarterback carousel this year. New England's going to end up with one of them. I think. I think if Kirk doesn't end up in San Francisco, I think there's a good shot. Oh, Atlanta would make a lot of sense there too. For the same reasons that Carr kind of chose. Um, the Saints, you know, New Orleans, where it's like an easier division to try and try and win. Obviously, he has his former coach there. You know, that that impacts a lot. Sure. Um, which I guess the the comparable thing would be going to San Francisco with his former coach with Kirk. I don't know. Lots of movement going on. Jr. says, will Michael Carter release be enough to motivate players to change? No, I don't think so. I, I think mm-hmm. it's purely a scapegoat move. And you just hope there's some type of of shake it up mentality like hey look he's been bad he cost us a field goal in the chiefs game he cost us a first down when we really needed it coming out of half this past week um i think as long as uzama's seeing a lot of playing time and lazard's seeing a lot of playing time and both those guys are continuing to screw up i don't think you're gonna see this be a real needle mover what do you think no i don't think it's gonna be uh, again, I think it was more along the lines of, "Hey, we're going to make you inactive." And he's like, "All right, I'll literally just I'll take the release then instead." And they're like, "Okay," like I, I don't, I don't think it's anything more or less than that. I don't think it's to send a message to the team. I think, I think they know what they have to do. Douglas comes in with a super chat. Douglas says, "That's a sad commentary on the Jets fan base. Pick another quarterback, and the fans will eventually drag them over the coals like Sanchez, Geno, Sam, and Zach." I think there were expectations with Sanchez, Geno, Sam, and Zach. When you draft three of those guys in the top six picks or top five picks, was Sanchez five or six? Five. Five. Yeah. So three quarterbacks in the top five, and Geno, who coming out of that draft, it wound up being a terrible quarterback draft for the the first two selections there, but. Going into the draft process, people were like, wow, Geno Smith could be the best quarterback in this draft class. So there was an expectation with him, even though he did go in the second round. I think if you have Rodgers here and you have a, a, a legitimate starter that is in front of any rookie quarterback, there will not be calls to start Michael Penix or Jalen Daniels or any of that stuff while Rodgers is here. Rodgers will be able to play, take all the spotlight off the quarterback. He'll be able to develop behind the scenes. And one of the things that I think is important for a quarterback is to have the respect of the rest of the roster. So that backup quarterback going against the scout team defense consistently, and then also 
having the roster turnover while that quarterback is still there because there's a 30% turnover of rosters each season. So if a quarterback starts his third year, that is essentially 90% a new team by the time he starts. And every player that has come in now knows that that quarterback has been here and they can look to him for either answers or, you know, whatever, assuming he's starting to play well. So I don't think it's necessarily that the Jet fan base will drag a player over the coals as much as the expectations will. We didn't have anyone other than Zach. We didn't have anyone other than Sam. We didn't have anyone other than Gino, and we didn't have anyone other than Sanchez in all four of those situations, and it all wound up bad. Yeah, that's a great point, right? Like, it was put on Sanchez, Sam, and Zach were all starting from day one. Gino wasn't supposed to start from day one. Mark was going to be the starting quarterback, and then Rex Ryan put him in the fourth quarter of a preseason game and got him hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) Like, I, I remember the injury, but I forget that Gino was there for that. He wasn't supposed to start. He was never supposed to be the starter in 2013. Um, and, like, I, I I don't know. And some fans were out on all those guys way too early, I think. But, I mean, also, by the time the Jets moved on from Mark Sanchez, he was not the player that he was those first two, three years. Gino was never really good with the Jets. Um, it took him 10 years to figure that out. Sam showed some signs of progress. You know, his first two years was okay and then fell off a cliff in year three. And Zach just, you know, the the hope game, but it's not it's not working. Ooh, Blitzcrew brings up a good point. I did not realize Kyler had a no trade clause. Uh won't pick New England. So Minnesota would be a good landing spot for him. Atlanta would be a good landing spot for him. Somewhere inside. If he stays with Arizona. He's got the no state income tax, and then he's probably going to be thrown to Marvin Harrison Jr. Like in all yep. reality, like they're probably the the Cardinals are either going to take him or they're going to trade Kyler for a bunch of picks and then select a quarterback and then have a bunch of ammo to to build around as well. I think I they know. go. That. I, I think, think they, they the clock. I definitely do. I think they absolutely move on from Kyler because you don't sign someone to a you-have-to-study-the-playbook type contract, and then when you actually have an opportunity to get out from underneath him and get high value, like he's playing well right now, you're showing his trade value right now, they might be able to get something, not as much as probably the Deshaun Watson trade, but like I could absolutely see two first, two seconds for Kyler or something along those lines from a desperate team. You know what? I forgot. There's a team that we have not mentioned yet that I think we should toss into the mix. Maybe not for Ooh. Kyler, but for one of these uh, Let quarterbacks. Let me see if I can figure it out. I'm going to go through AFC or NFC. So I narrow it down a little bit more. AFC? Yeah. Titans. The South is set. The East would just be the Patriots. The. I mean, I guess. If Tua got hurt, then like the Dolphins, I guess. That would be crazy. Um, the North would be Browns, Bengals, Steelers, maybe? That'd be an interesting team. That was it. The Steelers. Dude, Tomlin might be coach of the year right now. Right. Cause they're six and three, and that offense stinks. And Kenny Pickett has been bad. So if they feel like if they I think the Steelers are probably making the playoffs this year. If mm-hmm. they're a 10 and 7 team let's say mm-hmm. do they then not feel like you're a, a good quarterback away from being a legit threat 
Yeah, because this is Pickett's second year. You drafted him at 20 overall, so it's a little bit different. You could still kind of sit him down and not move off of him, or you could try to reclaim some draft capital from, like maybe he becomes the placeholder for a guy like Kyler. Get him out of conference. Tomlin is definitely a really good coach in terms of bottling up some outside noise. I mean, he had Le'Veon Bell and Ben Roethlisberger and AB, and he kept the lid on like all of that right until the end. I mean, outside of Antonio Brown posting the, the locker room speech, we didn't hear anything about any of that crazy stuff until he went to Oakland. Yeah, no, that was, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL, like top five, easy, maybe higher, you know, top three even, but um, yeah, I mean, Pickett, they're, they're six and three and Pickett has six passing touchdowns, four interceptions, 179 passing yards per game. He's ba- he's basically playing like a Zach Wilson level. So like somewhere between the 25th and 30th best quarterback in the NFL and they're six and three. Mm-hmm. So if they feel like they could put themselves over the top, maybe that's where somebody, a veteran ends up. Our buddy master at work was, uh, <laughs> I was on, on the AFC's round table yesterday and I was just giving him the business because they were like, oh, Belichick's going to leave. We're going to get a new coach. They're hoping for Ben Johnson, the OC from the Lions, which oh. I really hope doesn't happen. I was like, no, you guys are fine. You guys roll with Mac Jones. There's a quarter, there's a head coach out there that just got fired that would love to be the guy. He was the golden boy in New England, mm-hmm. Mr. Josh McDaniels. Send him back to New England. That's who I want to be the Patriots head coach. Ben Johnson, I think wherever he ends up is where Kyler ends up. I think Kyler will waive his no trade clause for that coach based on yeah. his success in Detroit and his success in Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't see how they don't, right? Uh, that That's a good, where do you think he, who's going to be looking for new coaches? Probably I mean, the Bears. Probably the Bears, probably New England. Maybe Buffalo. That would be interesting if he wound up going to Buffalo, yeah, if, if they decide to pull the plug on McDermott for like a failed season. Um, Staley. Staley. The, the Chargers sure. are going to be a big one. That's a. I would bet if the Chargers think they can get Ben Johnson, Washington. I think that – what was that? Washington. Maybe Washington's Ronald. a good one. I, I think Washington with the new ownership, I could see them going after their version of Sean Payton in Belichick. That's where I think that's going to end up. Okay. Um, but that wouldn't be a bad option either. Man, I just don't want him to end up in in the AFC East. I think he's really good. If the Jets were to, like, I kind of hope he stays in Detroit another year because if everything implodes, he would be the top of my list, I think, for a head coach. Yeah. How could he not, right? Dude, it's just his offense is awesome. <laughs> it's so good. Chuck Lagana comes in with a super chat. He says, do you think C.J. Mosley will still be around next year? So let me pull this up real quick because I don't know his cap hit off the top of my head. It's not good, though. No, it's Um, not great, uh, but it's going to be hard to lose a guy like that who's playing. I think he's been better this year than he was last year, even. And he was a second second team all pro last year. So his cap hit this year was 21 million. His cap hit next year is 21 million. If he's playing like this, I don't understand how the Jets could go to him and say, hey, we need you, like, we're going to cut you. I, he does have void years after this, so maybe you knock down that $21 million and we say, hey, we want to keep you the next two seasons. Let's make that $21 million cap hit, you know, 
I don't know, 10 million each of the next two years. That frees up 10 million each of these next two seasons. We've got Rodgers here the next two years. That to me, restructuring him and keeping him with Quincy would be my preferred route. So I hope he is. Um, that cap number is a little alarming though. Like even with like great play, a $22 million linebacker, $21.5 million linebacker is like, that's a lot of money. Yeah, no, it is. And he's getting a $17 million base. So if you restructure, you'd have to drop his base down to like 1 million, get him a signing bonus. Yeah, I mean, you could do it. You could pay him more money than the 17 in one year and drop his cap hit down because of the signing bonus. You could do it that way. Is that where you are? You kind of want to see the restructure of I, I do. I, I don't want to lose him. I think he is an incredibly important piece to this team. I agree. Um, Blitzkrieg says, I'm wrong. His extension avoided no trade clause. So Kyler does not have a no trade clause. I was going to say, I was like, I'm a little surprised that would have been thrown in there. But with quarterback contracts, it's not, I guess, anything surprising. So no trade clause is not in the Kyler contract. That opens the door for a lot of stuff. And then it's just the highest bidder at that point. Yeah, that's um, true. That is the highest bidder. So then who do we think would bid the highest? I'd, any of the top teams that are in like the, the race for the top 10 picks, I don't know if there's someone in there. I, Las Vegas is a team I could see. Yeah. That would be interesting, yeah. depending on what happens with O'Connell and how they feel with him. Yeah. Do you think Harbaugh they... comes back to the NFL? He might. I feel like that. I mean, Mark Davis bringing in a guy like Jim Hart. I could totally see that. That makes a ton of sense. And then Harbaugh would get his quarterback of choice, which honestly might be like a Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like, I don't know what like Harbaugh's preferred quarterback is based on like he had Andrew Luck. He had Kaepernick. He had Alex Smith. He had, you know, McCarthy in college. I don't know. What what quarterback do you think you would do you think he wants a rookie quarterback and he wants to build someone up like maybe he drafts JJ McCarthy and he just says hey I've coached you through college we're going to take you early uh maybe it's beginning of the second round and they use their first round pick on someone else. They could. Maybe that would be the move, but I I, I don't supposedly he really liked uh Colin Kaepernick. I was watch, I saw a clip mm. from a podcast recently where he was talking about while at Stanford he wanted to learn like why they weren't running the ball as efficiently as some other teams. And I forget mm. where Colin Kaepernick went to college, but they were looking at their rushing numbers and it was Colin, Colin Kaepernick was their, was their quarterback. And he's like, I like this oh, kid. And no then way. they ended up drafting him with the 49ers. That's really cool. So yeah, maybe Kyler to Vegas with Harbaugh makes a ton of sense. Then Douglas drops in with a super chat. Douglas says Gino had probably, Figured it out by year four. He just got stuck in a backup role because the league bought into the narrative. He wasn't a starter. He was just stubborn long enough until given a shot. Dude, I was so hyped on Geno Smith coming into the year he broke his jaw. Like, I really thought he was going to have a great season that year, and he would have been the quarterback that he is in Seattle now at that point in time then. I think that was where he was positioned to. Now, from a maturity standpoint, he got punched because he was immature, so... There's a lot of stuff there, but prior to knowing that, I was very high on Geno going into that year. I thought Geno Smith had a lot of growing up to do, and to his credit, he did. And I, I don't 
think it would have worked in year three or year four with the Jets. And I don't think he was that great with the Giants in 2017. He was either. not. No, or uh, the Chargers. <laughs> like he, he not, I think he threw like five passes with the Chargers. Like he, he was not a factor with the Chargers. But no, I think he needed that time. I, I, I don't necessarily buy that he would have figured it out by year four with the Jets. I think that year he would have had a good year, though, because you're talking Decker and Marshall and Revis and Cromartie and – like that was the year Ivory, like they loaded up that team for like a year and he probably does well that season. And then I would maybe turns into a pumpkin right after that. I don't know. I, the thing that pissed me off with Gino all the time was running out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage to no yep. end would just he drive me up a goddamn wall. Yep. He did do that a lot. Gene, there were some nice moments. Remember the stretch? What was that at the end of 2014 in the last game of the year? He had that monster game. Was it his first game that we beat the Bucks on a last-second field goal because he got hit out of bounds? Yes, I think that was. was his first game. That was. Or it was. That was wild. Jets had the right idea with that style of quarterback. That's where the league was trending. Just uh, he didn't, didn't run as much as I, I thought he should have. Um, Agreed. He's definitely more of a thrower than he is a runner. Um, I, I bigger think, too. Like I'd like to see him. Like yeah. not that I want to see him take shots, but like he could have. Yeah, I mean, at 6'3", 220, he was running for um, – yeah, the touchdown numbers were high, I believe. He had six rushing touchdowns his first year and 366 yards. But then the next year, it was one rushing touchdown and 238 yards. Like that, he should have been someone – not like Lamar, 1,000 yards, sure. but there's no reason he can't be a 500-yard yeah. rusher. Yeah, that's where it felt he should have been. I mean, in college, he didn't really use his legs either. He just he dumped the ball no. off to I think it was Stedman Bailey and Tavon Austin were the two. Yeah, at that uh, point Tavon. In time. Dude, I thought I he was electric coming out. I was like, oh, dude, I'd take him top ten. Thank God Every, he went before us, but that yeah. still didn't work out for us because we took D. Milner. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, whatever. James comes in with a super chat. Says, "Good work, boys. Blew my top today." But this oh. is not. Uh, but this is going to shake some things up, and I think wake up this locker room. Everyone on notice right now, Bobby. Please get in someone's face soon. That messes up. So this is a, a really popular uh, comment uh, that I've heard, and it's it's Robert Sala is not vocal enough on the sidelines, and I tend to not care as much. Like I would like to see them, you know understand or i'd like to believe they understand that you know the player screwed up he doesn't need to be yelled at like a child and the way yeah. that salah handled the offensive line speech in hard knocks in carolina when they played like shit like it tells me that behind closed doors salah is not some pushover i think he would absolutely go after someone in terms of like holding them accountable with the exception of zach because i think you have to hold it together for the quarterback and that's Different. probably rubbing some players the wrong way. Yeah, I do agree that I think it probably rubs some people the wrong way. I think they see the job the quarterback's done. Like, well, why why are we treated a certain way and, and he's not? I, mm -hmm. I think there's something to that. Brian comes in with Super Chat, says, is next year playoffs or fire head coach and GM? I would say so. I think yeah. uh, barring like... If if we don't make the playoffs next year, I don't know if Rodgers comes back for a third year. Um, now, it could be as simple as a money thing. But honestly, if they can, the GM and head coach, it's probably like, and Rodgers wants to play again, it's probably Hackett that becomes our head coach 
to appease Rodgers for at least like another year. And then you remove Hackett and Rodgers whenever that's done. But I would say playoffs uh, or bust next year um, for sure. Yep, 1,000%. I think if they miss the playoffs, both those guys are out of a job. All right, boys and girls, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We only have 200 likes, though, so you got to hit that like button. Um, We got to do our our little spinny wheel. I'm ready. I kept track. I remembered without green bean. I was bad at that the last time. I know. I was. I'm not. I'm not good with with trying to remember this stuff. Everyone has a role here. Everyone's got a role. So we, normally, when we have the three of us, if you guys don't know, I'm doing all the behind the scenes stuff here. Matt's looking up all the stats, and Green Beans talking with the chat. So it's not like we're all we're dialed in. We're dialed in. We all, everyone has a task. Um, all right. What a how many how many super chats did we get tonight? Forty. Ooh, 40. All right. And let's do this. Let's grab. Can you grab? Let me, I'll grab you five people from last week's stream. Perfect. Okay. I, whenever you are ready, you can read them off. I will dump those in. All We're going to rig this up real nice and good. Oh, going to rig it real good. Um, all right. Let's, all right. All right. All right. So random. Oh, actually we said timestamp. If you timestamp. So we got a few. Uh, okay. Yeah. Phil the Jet Adams. So if you guys go back after this stream and timestamp like good um, parts of the stream, you'll be entered into the t-shirt giveaway. So I've got a few from last week that we can uh, throw in here. That was one of your um, best So Phil the Jet Adams. Okay. Uh, Andrew Grizanka. G-R-Z-A-N-K-A. Okay. Uh, F-B... J T J A Y T E E. Okay. We've got another one for Andrew Grizanka. Um, and it is a different timestamp. It's not the same one. Okay, good. We've got Atlar A T T A L A R. Atlar. Uh Stax Max S T A X M A X. Stacks Max. Busted Knuckles. I don't know why that makes me laugh every time, but it does. I don't know, but I need to go back and watch last week's stream because at 31 minutes and 25 seconds, the comment is, who's ripping ass? LOL. (laughs) And now I have to go back and see what happened. Yeah, what the hell happened here? I don't know, but I love this. So, guys, if you're going to timestamp our streams, it helps us out on our side of things because we can identify good parts of the stream to clip, but then also uh, helps us out for other people wanting to tune in after that. And you get entered into the t-shirt giveaway. Perfect. So Matt, how many we got? Uh, Now it is 47. 47. There you go. See? All right. We're going to go random number generator. Boom. Number six. Oh, numbers. Nope, 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 nope. Sorry. Oh, I didn't hit the zero. So it's out of 70. Or no, what was it? 47? 47. All right, sorry, not six. Try it again. Boom! 18. RJ McPotts. Ooh, RJ McPotts! Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right, let's see if we can win him something. And again, Ryan did not pull up the uh, the spinning wheel prior I, to this conversation. I'm really hoping for a pillow. I'm on King Pillow for uh, been a while here. I, You know, I didn't weigh the these boxes differently with the exception of the jersey for, for obvious reasons 
Um, but we've landed on pillow, I think, two or three times in the last probably four weeks. So here we go. RJ McPot, let's see what you get. Oh, it's a shirt. Uh, <laughs> oh man. RJ McPot, reach out to Matt and I, talking jets show at gmail.com or jets talk 247 at gmail.com. We'll get you set up with a shirt, either the talking jets ape shirt, or you can pick one of the other shirts that are available over at talkingjets.com. Head over T-A-L-K-I-N Jets.com if you want to check out some of our merch. It helps support the channel and you get some pretty cool custom swag. Matt. Any last words for our panel? I am ready to get hurt again. Uh, I am back in on the on the Jets here. Uh, just find a way to win. Just win, baby. Score points this week. Let's try to have some fun watching this football team. Um, an hour-long episode of Just Jets is coming out tomorrow. I got to upload that after we hop off here. So it's going to be a late night for me, but I'm excited about it. Oh, I can't wait to listen to it tomorrow. Boys and girls, I'm bought in. Matt convinced me. All you in the chat convinced me. The firing and releasing of Michael Carter has convinced me. I am back in my we are winning the division mode. Things happen for a reason. Buffalo lost on that final play yesterday. And the Jets control their own destiny. We got Buffalo. We got Miami. These next two weeks, take care of business. Turn your season around. Or we're just going to be sitting here and um, crying again next week. But come back next Tuesday and cry along with us, potentially, or cheer along with us. Thank you all for watching. Hit that like button on the way out if you enjoyed what you watched here. This is Jets Talk signing off. G-E-T-S! G-E-T-S! Jets!